Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, everybody. Andrew Patterson along with the CTO, Michael Remus. And we have a busy, busy show getting ready for a huge sports night. Jets, Ottawa, Canada Life Center, 7 p.m. And then a little later on tonight, I believe 9 p.m. our time, our Canadian men's national national team takes on Costa Rica in Costa Rica, needing a victory to officially book their ticket to Qatar and the World Cup for the first time since, what, 1986. So uh, we've got lots to talk about. Later on in the program, second hour, uh, my buddy Steve Sandor, longtime soccer broadcaster and journalist, will join us to discuss Canada's situation heading into this final window of games. Jamaica coming to Canada on the weekend, which could be clinching time if they don't get it done tonight. Um, So we will talk some soccer later on. But we'll get things going with a lot of NHL talk. Matt Larkin, longtime member of the Hockey News staff, now with Daily Faceoff, will join us. And we'll talk Jets and uh, discuss the team with Brandon Rewicki coming up a little bit later on as well. Um, you know, without getting underway yet, we do have to thank the sponsors that make this show happen, including F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Lots to uh, throw a sprinkle down today. We'll get to the Cool Bet lines a little later on and be paying attention to all the matches in day two over at the Dell Match Play Championships. Let's get the party started and welcome Remo in. Michael Remus, what's going on? How are you today? Feeling good, Huss. Uh, you know, back-to-back games. I like that, you know, fr- uh, Thursday, Friday. Um, so I think season starts today, right, Huss? Isn't that the thing we've been going with? The-, the most important game of the yeah. season's e- coming up tonight. And Every- then we'll do the da- same damn thing tomorrow. You know, after Must hopefully win. you win. Not a litmus test, but yes, most important game of the year. You got to yeah. win. So, I mean, hanging on in their playoff lives against Ottawa. You know, you'd think that this is a gimme for the Jets, but I think we thought it was going to be a gimme on Tuesday no against Vegas. With this team, come on. Yeah, no gimmies. Well, I think that's kind of why they're going with their number one goalie. They need to win. We'll get we'll get to that. But yeah, I'm I'm fired up. I think this is a big weekend here. Uh, three wins coming up uh, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Well, and and you know, there's some big games tonight as well in the National Hockey League. It's a busy night, and we'll sort of go through them on the cool bet lines. But I did, uh, I did select was looking at a uh, a three-gamer, which is basically the help the Jets make the playoffs. And it is Winnipeg to win, Carolina to beat Dallas, and the Wild to beat the Vancouver Canucks. A big, big performance last night for Vancouver in Colorado with that 3-1 win ring. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. So, I mean, you look at the standings right now, has the Jets... Three back of Dallas. Dallas is two games in hand. I mean, a win tonight for Carolina. And when you look at Dallas' schedule, it is uh, pretty, um, pretty. Uh, I guess, a bit easier than uh, than maybe you'd like it to be. But, hey, uh, you just got to play your own ball here, and hopefully the Jets can come out with a better start than they did Tuesday. I saw comments in chat early. Did the Jets know the puck drop is at six? Hey, we know Hellbuck. <laughs> knows when puck drop is but we'll have to see 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, and again, it, this is going to be, uh, this is a makeup game. I mean, this game originally wasn't supposed to be tonight. This was supposed to be in the January and it was one of the games that was put off. So just a heads up, if you do have, uh, if you're in on a season ticket package or something and you had those Ottawa tickets in January, that game is tonight and your tickets are good for them. So make sure to check your accounts. If you, uh, if you are, uh, if you're at all wondering whether you have uh, have a spot for the game tonight, I'm, I am wondering what that does to the crowd tonight. Um, because, you know, with all of these games right now, we know that, you know, with the situation around the community and things getting back, there still are people that, you know, maybe aren't looking to be in crowds right now as of yet. Um, I do wonder about this game, just that it was sort of, you know, the one makeup game that was pushed later on in the season. Um, I'll be honest, sort of caught up on myself and the guys that I share with were like, oh yeah, wait a second. That, that's right. This game was from, from earlier on. So, um, you know, hopefully it'll be a good crowd tonight and people can get behind it. And hopefully the Jets give them something to get into, you know, right off the bat, because, uh, you know, and Dave Lowry spoke about it a little bit today. I mean, you know, they're not going to get too much into critiquing the wins, but he was pretty clear afterwards that, Thank God they had Connor Hellebuck on Tuesday night because they really needed to him. The team didn't come out very well. And, you know, when you go 15 minutes without putting a shot on net, you're really putting a lot of pressure on your net miter. That being said, he was up to the challenge. And he was so good, Reem, that he's going again tonight. And we spoke about this extensively yesterday. I really did sort of think that maybe Dave Lowry would decide to allocate his goaltenders like he did in that three and four a week or two ago. Um, with Eric Comrie actually playing the first game against New Jersey and then Hellebuck going in on the Friday night game against uh, the New York Islanders. Um, but right now, I mean, listen, that is sort of, I think, what I was pushing for. Uh, Dave ignored my text, apparently. And um, listen, uh, you know, it's hard to argue that you put a guy like Hellebuck back in the net after the way he played. But it is quite interesting as to how this thing will run through. I mean, I know Weber suggested that they might go back-to-back -back with Hellebuck tonight and tomorrow and then have Eric Comrie play against the Arizona Coyotes. Um, but maybe it is Comrie tomorrow. Bottom line is Hellebuck's on fire coming out of that game. Can't blame Dave Lowry for wanting him to be back in the net tonight for another huge game that his team needs to win. Yeah, I was watching the Jets TV pregame show. They were mentioning Hellbuck on pace to set a career high in games played. And I want to say that I'm never, you know, we had talked yesterday and I thought, you know, you go Comrie here and Hellbuck Friday and maybe Comrie again Sunday, but they got to ride. They want to ride their number one guy. And I mean, he was so good last night and I thought he was pretty good in the loss to, uh, in loss to Boston a week ago. Um, you know, he really kept him in. It could have been so much worse in that 4-2 loss. So, I mean, I'm not going to be like, say it's a bad move, player number one goalie, the Vesna Trophy winner, but it seems to be, or Drew Mandel speculated this on Twitter, that, you know, you go Hellbuck back-to-back, -back, Comrie Sunday against Arizona, and then Hellbuck will have, you know, his next game will be against Buffalo, and he would get a long rest after, if he does go back-to-back, because -back, we talked yesterday, how we want to see Hellbuck stoning Line A. It would be very degrading for... Jets fans, if Line A came back and started sniping on the backup goalie, you want to go best on best here. Well, so, and somebody pointed yeah. this out to me today on Twitter, um, you know, just kind of off. I guess they were listening to yesterday's show uh, and mentioned it. Um, did Eric Comrie not play here at Canada Life Center against the Jets and Patrick Line had an absolute field day in that game? What do you I, mean? I, I, well, Eric I mean, Comrie, when Eric Comrie played against the Jets. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, in that Detroit game. Let me double check. 
like that. And again, yeah, I'm putting you on the spot on that. But someone did say that. And and listen, uh, listen, the Jets are going to need to be ready for Line Um, And, you know, he is going to be incredibly motivated. And he's a guy that, you know, the way he's playing right now and the way that he's feeling it. Um, I personally, I would love to have my number one guy in against Line in particular, okay. especially when you look at, you know, where we're at right now. But uh, I'll say this about Eric Comrie. He has risen to the occasion. He's proved all of the doubters wrong so far this season. Um, and a big reason why the Jets are where they are right now are the results that they've had when Eric Comrie has played. So, um, you know, as much as, you know, you love what Hellebuck did on Tuesday night and you want to get him back out there, or, I mean, as I was saying, you know, maybe this is the night to rest him and you go with Hellebuck on Friday, Saturday. I think Eric Comrie should have uh, by now earned the confidence of both his teammates, the coaches, and the fans with the way that he's played so far. So um, bottom line is that no matter who's playing in net, they're going to need to be good, and the Jets are going to need to pick up some points over these uh, big, big three games and four nights at home. Yeah, I am looking back at that game, December 20, December 10, 2019. It was 5-1 for the Jets. Patrick Laine did score. Uh, so did Kopp, Wheeler, Shifley, Lowry. Lucas Spiza even got on the board. Uh, with an assist. So, yes, the, the, the Patrick Lanny does have a goal against Comrie. I felt bad for Comrie in that game. I mean, I remember being at it, and the Jets were all over Detroit. This was sort of really as Detroit was bottoming out, one of the worst teams in the league. And, you know, he comes back, he gets the start against his old team. He didn't really get any help whatsoever. And, um, you know, the Jets beat up on the wings pretty good last uh, that night. That being said, as I mentioned, I mean, you know, I, I don't think anyone should be freaking out or worried that that's the game that Comrie's getting. Um, I think part of us also wanted to see Hellebuck be able to go up against line. It would have been a great uh, challenge, but yeah. it's not just about two players. It's about the team. The entire team needs to come up better tonight against Ottawa to avoid what happened against Vegas and put it all on the shoulders of the goaltender. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I mean, this is a huge, huge stretch for the Winnipeg Jets. I think we'll know how realistic we'll be talking about significant games in the final week of the season, depending on what they're able to do over the course of this next you know, week, heading into Buffalo, and then that tough game in Toronto on the second end of back-to-backs next week. Yeah, so I mean, you, I don't want to use a cliche, but you do need to take a one game at a time, and tonight game against Ottawa, an opponent, you know, that... I mean, they're missing their top D, Thomas Shabbat. They're rebuilding. Uh, how many years in are they now? It, it really isn't going that strong. But, I mean, for the Jets, we thought that they had an opponent, opponent on Tuesday that was full of injuries and starting the third-string goalie. And you go 15 minutes without a shot on goal. Uh, I think you get, And your goalie has a stand on his head. I think you get a bit concerned. But I think that's just kind of what we've seen from the Jets this year. Us. They have moments where... They look like you team. They thought the team you thought they were going to be coming into the year, and they have moments where, like nothing's going right. They can't take the puck out of their own zone. They can't get a shot on goal, and that's kind of what happened Tuesday. Uh, Hellbuck stood on his head. They were able to uh, sort it out and put four past Logan Thompson. But when I mean, you can't keep doing that and keep winning, although I think that's kind of what we would, were saying about the Jets a couple of years ago when Hellbuck would keep standing on his head. So. <laughs> We're reverting back to that uh, to to that plan where you know just let it, everything get at Hellebuck and then move if on. It gets you wins. I mean, sh- at this point, sure, but like <laughs> that's not the way you want to play. But Hellebuck hasn't been that kind of goalie all season. I mean, his goals against is like is three, and although you know his goals against was zero on Tuesday. And you said to me yesterday, if Hellebuck 
you know, just does that the rest of the year, they're going to be in the playoffs, though. Uh, win the cup. Yeah. That, <laughs> if you, hey, if you don't let in any goals the rest of the way, going to be a tough team to beat. Tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I guess I, I would think that it's setting up. You know, we don't know for sure. Hellbuck is in tonight against uh, former Jet Anton Forsberg. We have to mention, you know, short a cup of coffee. Forsberg. Absolutely. With this new deal, three yeah, year got, deal for Anton Forsberg. So. I mean, we'll see. I think he. I think he probably will start tomorrow against Columbus, and then you give him a long break after the back-to-back and have Comrie against Arizona. That does. That does make sense. Um, yeah. Well, well, we'll see what happens. As I said, it's all about tonight. We'll focus on tomorrow, tomorrow, and not, and you know, I would bet that we won't even know who's playing tomorrow because they won't have a morning skate with the game tonight. And uh, Dave Lowry, like most NHL coaches, will just make us spend the day guessing. So um, bottom line is big two points on the line tonight. Hey, a shout out to Hugh Wachenko. It was Hugh that mentioned uh, the Comrie Liney game against Detroit. And he said, and Liney called out Comrie in the post game presser. Ah, uh, yes. Those wonderful Liney pressers from back in the day. Um, so anyways, appreciate that. Hey, Rio, by the way, throw a tweet out with the, uh, with the link um, oh, yeah, for, the, uh, gotta, for the show. I got to um, tweet that one. And, uh, and, you know, in the meantime, as I mentioned, Matt Larkin's going to be coming up in just a second. Uh, we will also talk. I'm really looking forward to having Brandon back on. Um, you know, we're going to get his thoughts on where the Jets are right now. Um, you know, this next stretch, as well as the uh, moves that were made at the trade deadline. We'll spend a little more time with Matt Larkin talking about everything that's happening in and around the National Hockey League, including the official voiding of the Evgeny Dadanoff trade between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks. Hey, one other thing I would like to mention, I did mention this yesterday, uh, but we have somehow been nominated for the top radio station slash podcast. There's down to five finalists. I think it's three of the uh, the uh, radio stations in town, Winnipeg Sports Talk and another pod. If you have the opportunity, it's very simple. Go over to WNLA, Winnipeg Nightlife Awards, WNLA.ca. Um, and give us a vote. I know Little Brown Jug's up for our favorite local beer. Love to support them. Um, I know Nicolino's is up, my friend Nick, beer can. Uh, but the one that we're concerned about is the radio station podcast. So if you do have the opportunity at any point, head on over. It's WNLA.ca. Throw us a vote. And uh, wouldn't that be hilarious if we were able to take that one down? Um, Remo, uh, this game tonight, it doesn't look like we're going to be seeing any changes in the roster. Um, Ehlers, Shafley, Wheeler, Dubois, Connor, Svechnikov, Paul Stastny moving back in the middle with Adam Lowry still out on the COVID list. Sanford and Appleton, the new newcomers on the wings of that third line. Jansen Harkins, Dominic Toninato, Adam Brooks is the fourth line. And then Morrissey, DeMello, Dillon, Pionk, and Stanley and Schmidt. Hellebuck back in the exact same lineup that beat the Vegas Golden Knights and I think the only thing different for uh, this evening is that Dave Lowry hopes that the boys are ready to go at the drop of the puck and not at the drop of the puck in the second period. I mean, they won, so why make any changes, right? Isn't that... Why change anything? So That's uh, right out of the Maurice playbook. I'm not screwing with a winning lineup. Yeah, not screwing. Although, I mean, we'll see what happens. If they come out like they did again, maybe you do make some changes or you hope that it's a one-off Big revenge game narrative for Zach Sanford going against his former team. You know, it's kind of funny how that works. You get traded, and the next you know, second game against the team you just played on. I've seen a lot of positive reviews for that line. 
this Sanford Stasny Appleton to the point where I suggested, you know, you throw Adam Lowry on the fourth line, but then we remembered the coach was Dave Lowry. So that, that may not happen, but, uh, but uh, I, I'd like to see those guys get in. I see them get on the board. Appleton, you know, adjusted with the new team and the Connor Dubois Fetchikov, you know, the Connor Connor having an incredible season chase for 50. And I really liked Nikolai Ehlers, um, a good presence with Trafia and Wheeler. So, Oh. You know what? Just speaking of uh, just speaking of the Dubois Connor Svechnikov line, mm-hmm. and I mean watching the game, like I mean all sort there was all sorts of shifts where the team was sort of hammered in their own end, especially earlier on in the game. But one of the things that Marat and I didn't get to yesterday that we were speaking, I was talking to him after the show. You know what the high danger chances were for and against when the Dubois Connor Svechnikov line was on the ice on Tuesday night. Oh, their Corsi, um, their shot attempts went on the ice was really bad. One four seventeen against. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, that might be the worst number of any line in any game all season. So that is a group I'm sure that we'll be looking forward to, um, you know, having a much better game coming up. And of course, they did score the goal, which got taken off by the offside. And then Svechnikov took the penalty right afterwards. And you thought, oh my God, is this game going to go the other way? But uh, but they got it done. And, you know, this Ottawa team, let's take a quick look at Ottawa. This is no pushover. I mean, I know they've been one of the worst teams in the league for the last number of years, ever since they made it to uh, the Stanley Cup semifinal. We're a goal away from going to the cup final. But there is a lot of young talent on this team. And I like DJ Smith. I'm frankly surprised that they've struggled the way that they have this year. Uh, but when looking at these these line uh, the lineup, Josh Norris is going to be in the middle of that number one center uh, the uh, number one center on the number one line, along with Brady Kachuk and Colin White. You've got Connor Brown and Alex Formanton on the wings with Tim Stutzel in the middle. Uh, the newcomer Matthew Joseph, who came over in the Nick Paul deal from Tampa, thought that was a nice acquisition by Pierre Dorian. Um, he and Adam Gaudet uh, on the wings with Chris Tierney in the middle. And uh, Tyler Ennis, Dylan Gambrell, and Austin Watson as the fourth line. I mean, this team isn't deep, but there are a number of players that can make things happen. The big loss, though, of course, for the uh, the Sens is no Thomas Shabbat. And this guy has been at the top of the NHL ice time leaders for the last couple of seasons, plays literally half the game. That's not going to be the case tonight. And a big opportunity for Eric Brandstrom, who I think people have expected more from him so far in his career. He's going to be up on that top pair along with Artem Zub, one of my favorite names in the National Hockey League. And former Hab, Victor Mete, playing with Manitoba's Travis Hamannick, who uh, went over to uh, the Sens at the uh, the deadline. Yeah, Travis Hamannick's supposed to have a big crowd in attendance. He's playing the 700th game tonight, and he was acquired for a third-round pick from Vancouver at the deadline. And a move to me was a bit of a, bit of a head-scratcher why Ottawa would be you know, trading away picks at this point. So, uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I think Thomas Shabbat, huge, you know, they're definitely missing him. I think this top line's been pretty good at times, but you look at the roster and it's, I mean, this isn't a playoff team. And I think they were pretty strong after like the first month of the season last year, but another tough one for Ottawa. And I'm not really sure, you know, what they do going forward. Going to have to, it's going to be a busy off season. I'm seeing people in Ottawa saying maybe the most important off season since or important quote-unquote game moment for the franchise since you know losing the conference finals in 2017. Um, 
It's well, actually loaded. I'm just yeah. looking at, I mean, the draft. And again, I mean, they want more success now. And we'll ask Matt about the uh, Ottawa Senators when he joins us in just a minute. But I mean, they do have their first round pick. They've got two second rounders. They've got two third rounders. They've got three fifth rounders. So they do have a lot of draft capital and a lot of younger players. Um, you know, so maybe they're aggressive and try and turn that into a few more NHL ready players. Uh, that can help them next season try and get over the hump and legitimately contend for the playoffs in a very, very tough Eastern Conference. So, I, you know, I mentioned soccer off the top. We will talk about Canada's men's national team with Steven Sandor later on the program. And we'll focus exclusively in on the Jets with Rewiki uh, coming up in about half an hour. But Matt Larkin, now of Daily Faceoff, is going to join us in just a second. Uh, before we do that, do want to thank our friends at F Apparel for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. F Apparel, a locally owned business downtown, is the spot to get affordable custom suits for men. Uh, but not just suits as well. Um, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Hey, every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. We've got weddings happening again. We've got grads happening again. And, uh, of course, if you have a wedding coming up, talk to Andrew and the gang there for a great deal. 15% off for your entire wedding party and a really neat promo for high school graduates where if you get a suit, they'll give you, with the, if graduating grade 12s, a free shirt and a free tie so you can get completely done up, basically starting at $400 with their custom suits. Pop down and see them, F Apparel, 190 Smith Street, downtown, or make an appointment or check them out online at F, that's EPHapparel.com. Speaking of great deals, Customer Appreciation Day is tomorrow at our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market at all seven locations, featuring great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of organic and natural supplements beauty products and groceries and the great deals are even better tomorrow you'll save 10 percent on everything in the store with a few exceptions that's in addition to current sale prices and if you can't make it into the store visit their brand new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca to buy online or schedule a delivery with instacart and when you pop by vita uh, vita health fresh market make sure to check out their grab and go deli with amazingly delicious lunch options like healthy Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. Check them out online at myvita.ca. And uh, while we're treating our body well, you know that it starts with one thing, and that is being hydrated and drinking water. And when you think water in Winnipeg, you think of the Culligan folks. Family-owned, 65 years, hydrating Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. They really do have it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, not to mention commercial and industrial water products and solutions for your business. Whatever your water needs, Culligan has you covered. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 6945180, and online at drinkculligan.com. All right, let's talk some hockey right now and welcome in for the first time in his new home with Daily Faceoff. It's long time, uh, our friend from the Hockey News, now with DFO, Matt Larkin. Matt, what's up? How are you? Hustler, how you doing, my friend? It's still weird. I feel kind of like, I guess, how Claude Giroux is going to feel tonight, putting on the new sweater when he's been one place for a long time. But it's been fun so far. Tell us about the move. I mean, uh, I mean obviously, I mean, we've got a lot of friends over at Daily Faceoff. Uh, Frank's there. They've really grown the ranks. I mean, uh, just a great opportunity to come in and continue working in hockey with a, a growing outfit. 
For sure. And opportunity is definitely the word. It's a chance to grow something. I think we have lots of freedom and flexibility to be experimental, try new things, be sort of entrepreneurial. And I think that sort of reflects the movement we're seeing in hockey journalism right now. So it's really exciting to be part of it, a new challenge, and I'm just getting started. Well, there's already so much great stuff on the website. It's sort of, I mean, for Remus and I, a year or two ago, being guys that, you know, we're obviously doing shows, but also, um, you know, they do such a great job for fantasy players and DFS guys, gamblers. I mean, hey, who's starting a net? What's going on? I mean, that and now the content has really grown, especially with someone like Frank coming over. I mean, really being a bit of a trailblazer and uh, going independent. I mean, we're doing the same thing. And I mean, you realize that with the technology right now, there's so many things that are possible. And certainly for you, I mean, it's probably nice for them to have someone out east as well, because that's one of the cool things about Daily Faceoff is that while, you know, utilizing technology to have key people in a bunch of different hockey markets, and uh, I guess you're the guy in the big smoke. That's right. And if you look at sort of the fantasy side, that's been the flagship of Daily Faceoff for a good decade, maybe even longer. I've been using it all the time, checking the lines with the jerseys. And what we're doing, what Frank and I and the gang are doing, is building out the news side. It's still young, but it's really exciting. And like you said, you know, our staff, we have people stationed kind of all over the continent from coast to coast. So that creates kind of a blanket where we're sort of on top of everything. And at least we want to be. That's the plan so far. And I think deadline day was a great test for us. We had a live show, three and a half hours. We felt amazing with how it went. And of course, all the while, Frank was breaking a bunch of trades as well. So it was a good sort of, I think, coming out party for Daily Faceoff this past Monday. No doubt about it. Uh, let's talk about the biggest story in the National Hockey League for a minute. Speaking of the trade deadline, it wasn't the deals that went through. It was the one that didn't go through. I mean, this Evgeny Dadunov story is absolutely bizarre. I mean, how does this happen? And uh, who's the one that has the most egg on their face right now? Yeah, I think everybody involved is trying to point a finger at someone else. To me, I lay the blame at the feet if I have to choose one party. It's the Vegas Golden Knights. You look at Evgeny Dadunov. He insists that he filed his papers right with a 10-team no trade to Ottawa on time by the, the, the final date, the deadline, which was June 30th, 2021. They trade him to Vegas, which isn't on the list. So that means the no trade stays intact. That's Vegas' job to know that. This is information that is readily available. You can find it on Puckpedia or Cat Friendly, any of those sites. Any fan can be aware of this. The fact that Vegas didn't do its diligence didn't get the list from Ottawa, whatever happened. You can try to blame Ottawa for that, but you're making a trade. You're trading that player later. You've got to do your own diligence and find out, make sure the player you're trading, you're not violating what's on his list in terms of destinations he can and can't go to. So I think a lot of parties are partially to blame. Sure, you can make a case that it'd be better if the NHL starts a database where they have all the information available to every team in the league. Sure, but in this moment, based on the current configuration, I think you have to blame Vegas. And I think it also represents a bigger problem, and I mentioned this on our own show earlier this week, with how Vegas treats its players. This is not the first time that it sort of put players' needs or well-being at the bottom of the priority list. We saw the way they threw players unceremoniously overboard, like Paul Stastny, Nate Schmidt, big parts of that room, to clear cap space for Alex Pietrangelo. We saw them move a core player, Alex Tuck, in the Jack Eichel trade, most prominently we see Marc-Andre Fleury traded for nothing after he wins the Vezina Trophy. He finds out via social media that he's been traded. There seems to be a growing problem, in my opinion, with the way the Vegas Golden Knights go about their business. And yes, we know they're completely committed to winning. They've got a fantasy hockey type of approach in terms of GM Kelly McCrimmon and the sort of instruction from on high from owner Bill Foley. It's fun. It's exciting. They make NBA-style trades. They bring in big names like Jack Eichel, Max Pacioretty. It's all exciting to see. But eventually... 
I worry it's starting to come at a price where if you're a prospective free agent, do you feel safe signing with Vegas right now? Do you think they're going to put your needs at heart? Are they going to treat you well? Or are they going to, a year from now, throw you overboard and maybe not read the fine print on your own contract? Yeah, make sure you get that no move clause in. You know what, Matt? We're getting some cracking on the mic. Do us a favor. I think what we're going to do is give you a quick phone call. Um, we're going to do this on the phone if that's okay. So you can just pop out. Remus is going to give you a call, and we'll reconnect on that because I do want to ask you about the, your piece of Daily Faceoff, some of the winners and losers for trade deadline. So just pop out. Remus will phone you, and we'll get you on the horn right away. Matt Larkin joining us from Daily Faceoff. We'll spend more time talking about Jets Ottawa coming up in a few minutes with Brandon Rowicki. And while we reconnect with Matt, um, fill you in on what's going on in the National Hockey League tonight because it is a busy evening. We we'll hit the cool bet lines a little later on, but some key, key games in the playoff race with some major implications for Winnipeg and their push to try to get closer to that playoff line and mainly catch the Dallas Stars um, because the Stars are in Carolina to take on the Hurricanes. Hurricanes, the class of the division, um, 42, 15, and 6. Um, taking on the Stars, who've had a hell of a season so far. The other game, of course, we've got Minnesota uh, taking on the Minnesota uh, Minnesota hosting Vancouver after their big win last night. Um, Matt, so winners and losers from the trade deadline. Well, before we talk about winners and losers, the Jets didn't make the call, and I guess that's sort of because people weren't sure whether they were selling or buying. I kind of thought they got good value for Andrew Kopp, knowing that he was gone, but it was interesting that they got Mason Appleton back for a fourth-round pick, and he's an RFA, so you could assume that he'll be here for a bit. And Zach Sanford, who gets to play his old team tonight, just three days after being traded. Uh, before we talk about the big winners and losers, what did you make of the Jets situation and what they did at the deadline? Yeah, well, Hustler, I think you nailed it when you noticed that the Jets didn't appear anywhere in my column. It's not a coincidence because I didn't know where to slot them. I didn't know what Kevin Sheveldayoff was doing on that day. It was very contradictory behavior, which I don't know if that's the smartest strategy. Of course, you sell Andrew Kopp. You get something for him, of course, in that trade. But you're bringing in Zach Sanford. You're bringing in Mason Appleton. Those are contradictory messages. What are you trying to do if you're the Jets right now? You're sort of straddling the line. You're hanging by a thread in this playoff race. Maybe you can squeak in and earn the precious right to get steamrolled by the Colorado Avalanche, I guess. I just don't really understand it. And I, I don't know if this is going to bring out any meaningful results in Winnipeg. I still think whether this team gets in or not, we're going to see some major change this offseason. I think it's time to consider breaking up the core, whether it's someone like Mark Seifley, whoever it's going to be. I could see the Jets exploring a trade and moving a bigger name because They've sort of had their chance with this group over the past years, and they haven't been able to move the needle. I don't think this group is any better than the group we saw last year, the year before. I think this group is inferior, and we know they give up too many chances. They leave Connor Hellbuck out to dry too often. That's been the case for several years. So I just don't know what this team is doing. I guess the idea being, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, of course, last year had the 18th best record in the league. They go all the way to the final. So I guess you could say, hey, we have a great goaltender in Hellbuck. He can steal games. We have some talented forwards. Maybe we can make a surprise run. But that's still quite the gamble, in my opinion. No, it's you're, you're bang on. And, and the offseason is going to be fascinating for Winnipeg because I think that you're, uh, you're, you're on to something. And it's something that we've been discussing all season. I mean, at what point, you know, Paul Maurice is gone. They didn't have many different, re, you know, different, um, you know, results after Dave Lowry took over, although playing better right now and struggling to get back into it. But I mean, no one in the organization thought that they'd be in the situation that they have been for the last couple months. And uh, I think there's some 
some sober uh, looking in the mirror um, by management as to, you know, the, what they've assembled, what they can do, because there is a lot of talent on this team. And I think most would agree that the results don't match what the team has put together going forward. And whether it's a Mark Shifley, certainly I think there'll be some sort of moves on the blue line to maybe move some of their cap distribution from defense to forward and make some room for players like Vili Hainala, Dylan Sandberg, Johnny Kovacevic, Declan Chisholm that have been all had some playing time this year and have shown from the American League level that these young guys are ready to play. And that can really help you in other areas if you've got young players on ELCs. Matt Larkin, a daily face-off with us. Um, who impressed you the most at trade deadline? There were a lot of teams that were very, very aggressive. For sure. And aggressive is what I like to see. I think Colorado and Florida, those are the two teams I've been watching all year. I sort of called them as my Stanley Cup finalists in the summer, the rematch of the 96 final. I love the way both teams behave. They took different approaches. Florida went very flashy, sacrificing first-round picks, of course. Overpaid, in my opinion, for Ben Chirot, depth defenseman. But I think they offset that because the Philadelphia Flyers had no leverage. Claude Giroux would only go to Florida. So they get a pretty reasonable price for Giroux. So if you sort of look at the total package they gave up for both players, I think it's fair. And Giroux just joined such a stacked forward group. That top nine is unbelievable. I think it's the deepest, best top nine in the NHL, especially considering on Colorado's side, you have Gabriel Landeskog out of the lineup with the knee injury, right? Colorado, I think they took a different approach. They went more with the smaller tweaks, but that I think are important tweaks. So bringing in Josh Manson, who could play a very physical game when he's healthy on defense, right-handed shot. And Arturi Lekkonen, who is a great penalty killer. The Avalanche penalty kill is being subpar. He can help a lot there. He can play either wing, very versatile piece. And when you have a team that's just so loaded with talent, like Colorado, I think it makes sense to sort of bring in role players instead. You don't want to disrupt the chemistry too much. That's sort of what we saw from the Tampa Bay Lightning the last couple of seasons, including this season. They do it again. They bring in Nick Paul, and they load up again. They bring in Brandon Hagel. It's sort of reminiscent of the Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman trades. When you have so much talent, you're better off bringing in those versatile middle six type forwards that can play hard and put you over the top. So I think those are teams that I think did extremely well. Minnesota getting Marc-Andre Fleury, I like that move as well. I think the Western Conference, there's a big drop-off after Colorado and Calgary. It's pretty wide open. The Wild have a deep team. Their goaltending had, had been floundering. So you bring in Marc-Andre Fleury, so much experience, so beloved in the dressing room. That really helps as well. And another team I singled out, the New York Rangers. I think they needed to get deeper at forward. We know they have so much talent. They have the best goalie in the world, at least this season, in Igor Shesterkin. And obviously you can make a run with that team, which is Sterkin, Adam Fox, Artemi Panera, and you have the high-end talent. They can carry you in a series, but now they've fortified the depth of bringing in Andrew Kopp, of course, Tyler Mott. Now that's a much tougher group to play against as well. So good on Chris Drury. Yeah, well, there's a lot of Jet fans now that are going to be pulling big time for the Rangers in the playoffs because one of those second-rounders turns into a first-rounder if they can win two rounds. So uh, there'll be a lot of support for Andrew Kopp and his new team. Here, uh, here in Winnipeg, the Panthers, you mentioned, I mean, I, I, I think of, you know, this team and, you know, where they are, you know, in Florida, you know, with the Tampa Bay Lightning winning back-to-back -back championships and knowing the talent that they have, it seems that they really do feel like this is the time and future be damned. Um, because you mentioned the Schrott acquisition and Claude Giroux. I mean, to spend two first-round picks as well as some other players to get those, uh, it really does seem like the future is now and the pressure's on the Panthers to turn this into a season where they can really make noise in the Stanley Cup playoffs. For sure. And I remember talking to GM Bill Zito a couple months ago, and I asked him, I said, is it a coincidence that you're making so many trades? Is that just your style? Because since you've come in, there have been trades galore, bringing in right, you know, Sam Reinhardt, Sam Bennett, and signing Anthony Duclair, trading for Patrick Hornfist, the list goes on and on. 
But the way he explained it was, it's not necessarily a style. He just arrived at a point, a juncture in which it was time to push. You got the poker chip, it's time to push that stack because the Panthers have reached that critical mass. They have the great mix of veteran talent. They've developed a lot of homegrown stars, of course, Jonathan Huberdeau, Alexander Barkov, Aaron Eckblad, and it's all coming together in the perfect mix. And they reach when you reach that sort of critical mass, then you can sort of declare certain prospects expendable and you can use them in your quest to sort of perfect your team. So Owen Tippett being the perfect example, we had a feeling it was either going to be him or maybe Gregory Dinsenko, one of those forwards that it's sort of a luxury when you're as deep as the Panthers are, as well-constructed as they are, you can afford to make that sacrifice. And that's sort of the point they've reached. And I do think it's sort of a now or never moment for this franchise. This is the best team I think they've ever had in the history of the franchise. That includes the team that went to the final in 96. That was more of an underdog group. This is much more of a juggernaut group. I don't think we've ever seen a team this good uh, in terms of the Panthers. And I, they, are, they are my Stanley Cup pick. They were my Stanley Cup pick in July. They were my Stanley Cup pick in October. They were my pick in December. And in March, they're still my pick. Uh, Matt Larkin with us from Daily Faceoff. You know, I mean, as good as Florida is, they are in an absolute meat grinder of a division. I mean, you got three of the top six teams, I think, by record in the league right now in that division. And um, finishing first is a real benefit because you'll avoid Toronto or, or Tampa in that first round. But Tampa was joking at Doremus off air that, you know, the, the flight from the Florida to Montreal might come late Friday because, the, you know, neither of the Florida teams are going to have anything to do in that first round. Two first round picks in the Brandon Hagel trade. Um, this was fascinating because a lot of people aren't familiar with him. He has had a good year, shooting percentage pretty high, young player. To me, the key was the term and how cheap he is for the next couple seasons. Um, but were you surprised at the cost that Chicago was able to extract from Tampa for Hagel? I wasn't really because you nailed it. The contract is so reasonable. It's not just the cap hit of a million and a half. It's the fact he's under contract for a couple more seasons after this one. Extremely valuable player. And I think in the context specific to Tampa Bay, he's even more valuable to that franchise than he is to most other franchises because we know every year they have that salary cap crunch where they're trying to find a way to fit all their stars under the cap. So a player like that who already had 21 goals and you know on pace for 25, 30 goal season with such a small cap hit, on the lightning that matters so much to them because it gives them the flexibility to keep that superstar core intact. He's such a nice fit for them. And I do think the goal there is to sort of replace the Blake, Blake Coleman type of role, right? Where he can be, you know, third line forward. He's probably going to play a little bit less in Tampa than he would have in Chicago. He played up the lineup. So I do think we'll see his numbers go down a bit. I know he got a little look on the top line, but if we're looking long-term come playoffs, I think he's probably going to be a third liner. But that's okay. In this system, that's what they want him for. And for him, yes, maybe his role might be a bit smaller, but he gets a chance to win Stanley Cups. And you just have to take your hat off to Julian Brisebois and his ability to just be a cap wizard. Every year it seems like he's painted into a corner and he finds a way to improve the team. People talked about they lost the entire third line, Coleman Gaudreau and Yanni Gordon in the middle in the offseason. And with Paul... And Hagel, he's replaced two-thirds of it now. And suddenly, Tampa looks like a juggernaut again going back to the playoffs. So you have to hand it to Julian Duisbois. Now, you know, the Leafs are actually a point ahead of Tampa right now. Tampa have, uh, you know, a game in hand. Uh, but, you know, we very well could see the Leafs make the playoffs and have, you know, just a phenomenal season and go up against the champs in the first round. I mean, what did you think of the moves the Leafs made? And, and you're close to the situation. 
Fill us in on the pressure on this organization and management to get out of the first round to start and the challenge that will face them with the likely matchup of the Stanley Cup champs. Yeah, the pressure is immense. And I did talk to many members of the team in the aftermath, also later in the summer. And I think to a person, what you heard was last year, the fifth straight first round exit hurt more than the others. For some reason, it was just sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think the players, it really just broke their heart, their heart, their collective heart, and they're feeling the heat. And I even said, I remember asking Austin Matthews this before the season, how can you get excited for this regular season knowing there's nothing to accomplish? The Leafs, it's established. They're a great regular season team. They always are in the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner era. They're always near the top of the standings. They always score a bunch of goals. There's always a bunch of hype with how well they're playing. And it doesn't matter when you get to the playoffs. It's the style of play changes. They haven't had the types of players to drag you into the fight. Maybe it's mental block, whatever it is. It just doesn't matter anymore what they're doing in the regular season. So when everyone looks at the standings now and they say, well, the Leafs are having a great year. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're on pace for their most points in franchise history. Who cares? I don't think anyone cares in terms of the Leafs fan base anymore because it's time for results. And did they do enough at the deadline to get the pieces? It's hard to say. Mark Giordano, I think, is going to help. He brings great leadership, great depth on the left side of the defense. But I do think they needed more help on the right side. And, of course, the big question mark is in goal. You know, they, they waived Preetam Razik, and then he ends up starting for them last night. And I know it was difficult to acquire a goalie. The market dried up quickly. Marc-Andre Fleury wanted to go to Minnesota. There's a good geographical fit there close to his family, which is in Chicago right now. And if you look at some of the other names that might have been available, they came off the board, right? So a good example being Braden Holtby. Anton Kedobin has surgery in Dallas. Suddenly Holtby's not available. That would have been a great name for a team like the Leafs or Edmonton to pursue. So maybe there just weren't enough names out there that were the right price. But either way, it's still a failure that you just didn't find a way, in my opinion, to improve the goaltending. You're relying on Eric Caldron, who's got four appearances in his NHL career so far and is generating a bit of hype here in Toronto. And then you're hoping Jack Campbell's ribs heal up and that he can find his game again because obviously he struggled with his confidence. It's a wobbly situation going into the playoffs. No, it's it certainly is. And um, you know, you mentioned Marc Andre Fleury earlier going to Minnesota. Bill Guerin and the operation in, in the Twin Cities fascinates me. And you know, when I saw that deal, it really does seem like they're making a serious push for this season and they believe that maybe they can be the team that shakes things up in the division and in the West, uh, you know, up against Colorado. They played them very, very tough last year. But a big part of it, Matt, and I'm interested in your perspective, is the urgency to do this now. Because I'm looking at cap friendly, the next three seasons, next year, a $12.7 million cap hit for the bought out contracts of Parise and Suter, and then almost $15 million for the next two seasons after that. I mean, I really wonder how hamstrung Minnesota is going to be in future years. And maybe that's a real push why they got flurry and did what they did at the deadline to try to make the most out of this season. I think you've absolutely nailed it. And it's funny, looking back at those contracts, the local boys, right? They signed in the summer of I think it was summer of 2012 or summer of 2013. I forget what summer it was. But those two contracts, Parise and Suter, they were really exciting at the time. I remember being at the Hockey News. We had them on the cover. But they really hamstrung the franchise for a long time. And there was a point where Minnesota just could not add summer after summer after summer. They couldn't really make major additions because – they were just sort of locked up. And now the contracts are ghosts that continue to haunt the franchise and put them in the same situation, even after the players have been bought out. So I think you're bang on. I think that 
Bill Garrett understands this is a crucial window. And if you look at the other teams in that, in that conference, obviously I mentioned Colorado, and I think Calgary is really dangerous, but you can make a strong case that with Flurry, especially, Minnesota sort of now sits in its own tier as the third best team in the conference. And we know they defend really well. They have a deep defense core. They're really good at limiting scoring chances, high danger chances, and they're deep at forward. They don't have a ton of star power, but it's coming. Of course, Kirill Kaprizov, he brings legitimate star power. He's becoming a real superstar. Matt Boldy as well. Really exciting young scorer, first round pick. Someone who scored at every level of his career and has transitioned pretty seamlessly to the NHL. Kevin Fiala has also unlocked his potential, I think, as well. So there's enough there. There's a deep forward group. Now you've got the goaltending and you do have the defense. So I do think that's going to be a tough team to play against in the playoffs. Now, I have to, before we go, you mentioned the Calgary Flames and the Flames. Um, I know it was interesting. You did a piece where you were breaking down things that, you know, were consistent amongst championship teams. And, you know, folks should go to Daily Face Off and read it. Uh, but the Calgary Flames really check a lot of the boxes. And, and it is so fascinating to see their season this year, Matt. I did a ton of shows with Pat Steinberg over the course of the summer, the end of last season into this year. And, I mean, the, the mood around Calgary was that it was done. Blow it up. I mean, this core has, you know, been disappointing. They came off that miserable season last year where they missed the playoffs in a very weak Canadian division. And they didn't really change very much with the exception of adding Blake Coleman and losing Giordano. But it's been Daryl Sutter that has come in and, and we've some incredible magic this year. How, uh, you know, just your thoughts on your, what were your ex- expectations of Calgary? Are you surprised that they are where they are? And now we're here. How dangerous will this team be come Stanley Cup playoff time? Well, it's funny. This is a team that I thought about a lot in the summer because I was confused by them, sort of like you. And I looked closer at what they did once Daryl Sutter took over. They had a 500 record in the balance of last season with Daryl Sutter. But then I looked closer. Hmm, okay, Johnny Gaudreau actually, his numbers improved. And if you look at those under the hood, the analytics, the defensive numbers, the Flames rated out as the second best defensive team in the NHL from the date after which Sutter took over. I thought, hmm, okay, this team actually played lockdown defense. They kind of remind me a bit of the 2011-12 LA Kings. The only problem is, I don't know, this team's got to get heavier if they're going to play the Sutter style. And what do they do? They bring in Blake Coleman. They bring in Nikita Zadorov, Erica Branson. They start to mold the team into the image of those LA teams that were big, strong, and heavy. And suddenly I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is suddenly looking like a team that can play Daryl Sutter hockey. And I talked to a few of the Flames players in the summer, and I remember Andrew Mangiapane saying that, you know, yes, there's the reputation of him being this intimidating taskmaster, but a lot of players like it. They buy into the sort of straightforward, you know where you stand type of personality. That's sort of Sutter's, Sutter's thing. And I know a lot of people in the media, myself included, have been critical of it, and there's sort of a prehistoric approach to it. But it doesn't mean that every player hates it. A lot of players buy in. Maybe a coach like that has a shelf life, but right now you got Matt Kuhn buying from this player group. And I just think this team's built for the playoffs. It's big. It's physical. They do still have the high-end talent as well. they got a fantastic goaltender in Jacob Markstrom. If you look at the characteristics, and I did. I literally looked at the characteristics that were common in Stanley Cup winners over the past 10 years. The Flames have all of the characteristics. They look like the type of team that goes all the way. And if I'm making a prediction right now of who could upset Colorado, it's definitely Calgary. That's the pick. Yeah, is is Sutter almost a shoe in at this point for the Jack Adams? I uh, hard to say. I don't know if there's a such thing as a shoe in, but I think in terms of the way I like to define the war, the award is which coach had the strongest strongest influence on his team's performance. And what I always like to look to is did a coach 
help a team that didn't make a ton of moves on the player side make a big run in the standings? And yes, the answer is yes. So I think for me, he is the Jack Adams winner. I think you have to single out Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh, what he does every year as well. That team's always banged up. And it seems like every year is supposed to be the year they finally miss the playoffs. And he always gets the most out of that group. Well, you know what? Just before we go, let's talk about Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, just looking at the standings here, 88 points. I mean, quietly two back of Carolina for first place in that division. And we focus so much on Leafs and, um, you know, the Florida teams and Carolina. I love the uh, the second round pick for Ricard Raquel right there at the uh, at the buzzer at the deadline. Um, you know, are people sleeping on the Penguins? I think yes and no. I, I do think Raquel is the exact type of piece they were looking for. They had to improve their secondary scoring, and I think eventually we'll see him on the line with Denny Malkin. Really nice fit there. But I do think there's a Groundhog Day situation that's played out in Pittsburgh ever since they won their most recent cup in 2017, and that is every year it's supposed to be the year they finally start to decline. They overachieve. They overcome a lot of injuries. They play a certain style that works in their regular season. They're always one of the fastest teams in the league. They're all, also always one of the smallest teams in the league. Then we get to the playoffs, the trench warfare, the heavy style of play, refs not making as many calls, and the Penguins don't have the right personnel to translate their game. They don't have enough grit, they don't have enough heaviness, and they, they tend to bomb out in the first round. If I'm making a prediction now, I think it's going to happen again. I think, again, this team, once again, strong in the regular season, but I don't think they made enough upgrades in terms of just finding guys who are hard to play against to be able to take down other heavier opponents once you get into the playoffs. Matt, thanks so much for doing this. All the best to you and the Daily Faceoff gang. We'll look forward to hopefully catching up uh, closer to the playoffs. Have a great one, and uh, let's do this again soon. You bet. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Folks, follow him on Twitter at MLarkinHockey and check out Matt's work over at Daily Faceoff. We're going to focus back in on the Jets tonight's game against Ottawa this upcoming weekend with Brandon Rowicki. Uh, but a big shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery. And man, Don, I was talking to Donnie yesterday. Spring is here. Everyone fired up to put the miserable winter behind us. And with that, get to work, uh, look forward to the two things that come with warmer weather. Spring cleaning and spring fun. Some of you are going to need batteries. They're going to help you get the job done, whether that's for your lawnmower, the drill you're using to build that new deck, or the tractor that's going to help you get the crop for all our farming friends out there. Whatever the job is, Manitoba Batteries got you covered on the battery front. And then there's some of you that are getting ready for the summer toys. And whether you're looking at a summer hot rod, a golf cart that gets you around from site to site at the lake, a motorcycle to hit the road on, or a boat you'll be enjoying summer days, a camper as well, Manitoba Battery has the batteries you'll need to enjoy our sort summers. They'll deliver anywhere in the city on the same day if you order by 1.30 in the afternoon at a much lower price than what you'd have to pay at one of the big box stores. Manitoba Battery, home of the best prices in Winnipeg, 1024 Logan, and online at manitobabattery.com. Uh, well, we just kind of laid out a big spread for NHL playoff action coming up, and whether you're riding with the Jets or another team, Royal Sports has the biggest selection of NHL merchandise in town, and much more than just the thousands and thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise, Bomber Championship gear, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, international soccer, Canada soccer. They've got it all. If you're looking for sports merchandise, it is at Royal Sports. And of course, hockey superstore, biggest selection in town, snowboards, fitness. And with spring coming, it is the place to be for soccer, baseball, softball equipment, and more. Pop down and see them, 750 Pemina Highway. 
Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sales coming up. And uh, speaking of gas prices, we've been talking about them quite a bit lately. Many people thinking about maybe going electric. Our friends over at Not Auto Corp have an incredible program they've just started called the Tesla Experience. You can check out their tweet on the program or go to the website at not.ca. If you're thinking about going electric, it'll give you the opportunity to drive, test, charge a car, everything about the Tesla that's different from normal cars. And if you think it's right for you, they've got a bunch of beauties on the lot as well. Not Auto Corp. Find out more on the Tesla Experience at not.ca or pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery. All right. Let's uh, get back to the Jets and welcome in our good friend, Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates podcast. And, uh, of course, a longtime member of our team back at the old station. Brandon, what's going on? How are you, my friend? Doing pretty good. First off, what did you think of the game on Tuesday? Um, I guess there was some good and bad. The bad was the first period for sure. But I'll tell you what, um, if you are still a believer in the Jets making a run, the number one thing that could happen is Connor Hellebuck getting hot, and uh, he was absolutely phenomenal on Tuesday, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, if you could pick a word to describe it, it was vintage. I mean, that was that was Vesna Connor Hellebuck right there. So he plays like that. I don't know. I don't, you might just say the Jets will make the playoffs if he plays like that the rest of the way. I mean, the first, the, the first, I, I can't even say 20 minutes, but the first 40 minutes, it was basically just can the Winnipeg Jets get it to the red line? That that was kind of the main goal, it felt like, because Vegas was just so tenacious with their forecheck. I mean, the, the Jets just didn't have an answer as far as, you know, never mind making a pass, but just getting out of their zone somewhat cleanly. And he stood tall and, and he gave him a chance. And you kind of knew once they got that bit of a cheeky lucky one there near the end of the uh, the second period that things were just ultimately going to work out in the Winnipeg Jets' favor there. You know, unfortunately, Dallas didn't really play along either, so the, the lucky bounces stopped there. But look, if, if Helly's going to be 45 safe shutouts the rest of the way or, or something approaching that, yeah, you're going to have to uh, book a ticket to Colorado come late April. You know, we had a, you know, we talked quite a bit yesterday about, you know, this upcoming stretch of three games and four nights with how much Hellebuck has played and when you give him a night off. And, you know, I had sort of, I thought that they might actually go with Comrie tonight um, and, you know, have Hellebuck ready to go for Friday against Columbus and then come back again on Sunday against Arizona. And we've seen Dave Lowry do that before and that, you know, he started, you know, Comrie in the first of that stretch in the back-to-back games against New Jersey a couple of weeks back. Um, but there is a side to say that, you know, if you see a guy play the way he just played on Tuesday night, you're insane not to put him back in the net tonight. And I think that's where Dave Larry's gone. What do you make of, uh, you know, the decision? When do you think Eric Comrie does play if Hellebuck's playing tonight? Late April? No, I... <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, and it's funny because I remember back, it would have been maybe a year or two ago, uh, probably two years ago, back on the radio where we'd always get on Paul Maurice for starting Hellebuck both games of a back-to-back because there's just this overwhelming mountain of evidence that you start a goalie the second night of a back-to-back and the numbers, you know, obviously go down a a decent chunk. But then Hellebuck just kept winning and he just kept winning them. And then he just kept winning some more. And then it's like, Oh, you know what? Maybe this is, this is the exception to the rule here. So I don't know. I'm I'm not going to be overly surprised, man. If we see him go back-to-back in these next two games here. And then you give Comrie the the final one against Arizona, but I I don't really have a big problem with it, especially if Hellebuck has as another big game tonight against Ottawa. 
I I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to going back to back with him once again here. I mean, you have to give Comrie one of these three games. I I don't really have a big preference either way which one it goes. It's just that you know Hellebuck seems to be the rare workhorse that finds a way to get it done. And and th- you know this has kind of been the other under talked about um, development so far this season with the Jets, and that's just that. You know, Hellebuck kind of sneakily made a run at Marty Brodeur's <laughs> games games played in the modern era record. Like he's not going to be all that far off it if the Jets are going to be right up until the final game of the regular season. Like poor, poor Eric Carmies. I think he's at a nine twenty this year. Like, oh, thanks for the nine twenty. You're going to play ten games for us. Like it's just it's a it's a super weird development. I know a lot of Jets fans before this season thought you know Hellebuck's going to play well over sixty, but I don't think anybody would have thought of that. But then Eric Comrie also has some of the best backup numbers in the entire NHL. Yeah, I mean, his winning percentage is like 750. I mean, yeah. I think in the 10 games, he's 7-2-1. And, 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 and here, credit where credit is due. When we all remember the doom and gloom, I mean, the chat room here was full of people saying, Comrie's not an NHL goalie. This is suicide for the team. They need to get someone else in. And listen, he hasn't had a ton of opportunities to play. But when he has, he's come through for the Winnipeg Jets. And... I mean, and just think about the situation the Jets would be in if Comrie had lost a, even two of those games. I mean, we're talking about a very different situation right now. And, um, you know, I think they should have the confidence to throw him in there. But I'll be I'll be honest. I mean, all this weekend, I just I keep the entire week thinking about Line a coming back the way he's playing right now. I want to have my number one in, in for that game. And that's and that's why I kind of thought that maybe tonight would be the night that Eric Comrie goes. But uh, as we said, we understand what Dave Lowry's thinking going uh, going into it. Um, Brandon, as far as the trade deadline goes, um, you know, we haven't spoke since then. Um, you know, I think we knew Andrew Kopp was going to be gone. What did you think of the return that Shevel Dayoff was able to get for Andrew Kopp considering the market? And uh, what did you think when uh, both the two guys coming in and Appleton and Sanford? Yeah, I guess the immediate thought is go Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> Things get really sexy if the Rangers can can pull off kind of a miracle final four run there. But uh, yeah, you know, going into it, I thought that I thought that Kevin Shovelayoff should be able to get first round return for Andrew Kopp. Now he doesn't get the first round pick in all likelihood, but I think it's pretty fair to say that if we just call it two second rounders and Morgan Barron, that's that's at least first round value and maybe even a little bit more on top of that. I, I think he did really well with the Andrew Cobb trade. I, I think there were two really strong moves by Chevy. Um, the Andrew Cobb trade and then the Mason Appleton move for just a fourth round pick. I think that was by far his his best work of the deadline. So when, when it comes to Andrew Cobb, though, I mean, yeah, you, you couldn't have really done a whole lot better. And by the sounds of it, I mean, Morgan Barron is probably a fourth liner for the Jets next season. Now it's say hey, that's not you know, a, a huge development and it's something that's going to change the uh, the betting odds when it comes to the Jets' cup odds next season. But it's still, you're talking about the, the chance for a fourth line next year could potentially be some mixture of Gustafson, Morgan Barron, and let's say Jansen Harkins. And that's that, that's pretty exciting because it's, hey, three guys that I think are, are pretty defensively responsible, but that's a ton of speed, a ton of size, and a ton of youth on the fourth line. And that's something that, yeah, I, I bet the chat has been on that for uh, for, for a long time now. We're, we're moving past the Nate Thompson uh, 
uh, <laughs> Matt Hendricks days, and we're moving into a more modern fourth line. So that's kind of a nice benefit thrown on top with the two second rounders. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I have never seen Morgan Barron play, but, you know, I've read a lot about him. And um, certainly I think, you know, he does project as a player that could help the Winnipeg Jets in that sort of a role next year. Although I will say this, I'm couching all of these statements because we said the exact same thing about David Gustafson, who was like the player of the year for the Moose last year. I mean, we expected him to be there at the opening day lineup. And listen, he's been called up twice. He's been in two games and he's gotten hurt in the first five minutes. So, I mean, he's been the walking, um, you know, example of Murphy's law this year. But at the same time, I mean, I do think that he certainly projects in. And uh, it was an interesting pickup to get a guy of the mold of a Morgan Barron. And then, you know, we'll see what happens with the picks as well. Because depending on what happens with the Winnipeg Jets and the moves that they make in the offseason, um, you know, if they're trading a player of the core, say they're shaking that up a little bit and you're getting a number of assets back, um, you know, you could see using some of those assets and potentially those picks that were recouped from COP potentially turn that in for some sort of a replacement depending on what what a big deal is and then the blue line we continue to talk about that something's got to give when it comes to either trading some of these prospects that seem to be ready to go or shaking up that key group of five defensemen all on veteran deals making money for the next couple of seasons yeah it's it's massive and it's and, and I'll be intrigued too to see with the one of the conditional seconds if they push that to 2023 because there's a lot of teams that that view that as a way more valuable draft class. So if you're the Winnipeg Jets and you're trying to maybe add a little bit of value to that second round pick, pushing it a year down the road might actually help you in a, a potential trade wherever it may be for the rest of your roster. But it, it's also, I mean, that that same reasoning is why I, I really disagree with the handling of the Paul Stasny situation. Because I... I guess the main thing is just that it sounded like Kevin Shoveldayoff didn't even really consider it. Like a few teams came calling and it was, yeah, not interested. Not even, let's try to gauge what a potential return could be and then make a decision based off that. It's just, no, we're we're focused solely on, you know, not completely selling everybody we have off here and, you know, semi-contending. You know, you're, you're trying to have it both ways. And I think there's a pretty long uh, list in history that trying to have it both ways never works out for either side. And I, I just think it was a missed opportunity there for the Jets. But I, I mean, what, what would have been out there? I mean, he was for he got acquired for a fourth rounder two years ago. I mean, listen, he has had a pretty good season. I mean, he has been riding shotgun with Shifley and Wheeler for a good portion of the uh, of the season. Um, but I mean, in the situation the Jets are in, let's say, let's say even there's a third round pick out there. You know, if you still do believe that you're in it right now, I mean, you know, Cop's too valuable of a player, I think, to let walk for nothing considering the demands for him right now. But I'll be honest, I think I'm sort of on the same page with them on keeping Stastny right now because I don't think the return would be significant. And to be honest, he's too important to this team right now if you do think that you still have a shot at making a run. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, just just trying to make a run isn't a good enough reason to hold on to him. Like, it's not like you're talking about, you know, we're second or third in the central. Let's see if we can win a, a playoff series, and then maybe we get lucky in round two. We're talking about, can we use our 20% odds to squeak into the playoffs? Like, I, that, that isn't a big enough apple for me to chase and, and keep a guy like Paul Stasny. And, and like I said, you know, if you at least gauge the market for him, and it is, say, a fourth-round pick, whatever it is, then, yeah, you go, you know what? He's, just, he's, he's more valuable to us for 20 games than a fourth-rounder. But I just find it hard to believe when you have teams like Boston who 
I mean, for the whole season, have either had Charlie Coyle or Eric Hall as their second line center, a second line that's really done nothing for them all season too. A team like them couldn't use a guy like Paul Stasny. I mean, the Rangers as well could use a guy like Paul Stasny. Washington. I mean, there's a few other teams in the East too. I I, I don't know. It's just, I guess the main thing that kind of upsets me about it is just, it it doesn't feel like there was much thought given into it. At, At least gauge the market, throw his name out there. And if it is a fourth round pick coming back your way, you can say thanks, but no. Well, it was funny. I mean, I guess you're on to onto something. And I mean, who knows what actual conversations had? We'll never really know. But I mean, you know, when TSN is struggling to throw like anyone's name on to make a trade bait board of 60 and you've got Buffalo cap space at 33, you know, Stastny, just because he was on expiring contract was down at like 50 or 52 or something on that. And, you know, maybe they knew something. I stuck him on anyways, but the guy's probably not going there. The one thing, I mean, and I don't know, you know, we'll never probably know how Adam Lowry's sitting on the COVID list affected the club. Because the one thing I will say, just short term, like who's, what is the lineup right now? If you don't have Paul Stastny and the ability to move him to center on that third line right now, I mean, there's not really anybody in the lineup that, I mean, I guess you could maybe throw Jansen Harkins in at center or something like that move Tony Nato up, but probably not the lineup that you really want to have when you're playing for your uh, playing for your life. All that being said, Brandon, um, you mentioned Edmonton, um, you know, and the Dallas game the other day, I mean, you know, back after the game, watching it, Edmonton up three, two with five minutes left. You think, good Lord, this could be a perfect opportunity knowing that Dallas is in Carolina tonight. And then, the game immediately flips in about 30 seconds and uh, and Dallas gets uh, gets the win. The key right now, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing. I mean, you know, we're paying attention to Vegas and Vancouver and some of the other teams in the mix and even Edmonton and L.A., but three Pacific teams are getting in, which means it is all about catching the Dallas Stars because uh, by definition, if you're sixth place in the Central, you might have more points than the teams in the other division, but you're not getting in right now. And um the scoreboard watching of the Dallas Stars and looking ahead to some of the easier games that they have that you would think on their schedule makes this week right now with Ottawa, Columbus, Arizona, and Buffalo, the next four games for the Winnipeg Jets, absolutely must wins. I mean, we've been talking about this team getting on a run right now at some point. Um, it's now or never for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, that, that's why these games terrify me so much. Oh, <laughs> like, tell it, me about it. It almost scares me more than the Vegas game. Like At least Vegas comes in limping. It just... Early, remember early in the season too that that game against Buff wasn't that the last Maurice game the, oh, the yeah. Buffalo yeah, game yeah home? that like, was the end yeah yeah <laughs> two days to think about that from a Tuesday night and then the stench was still there and walked in yeah. on Friday and said I'm out yeah so you had a Buffalo loss early you had an Arizona the, the Vimelka game in Winnipeg and Arizona's played them kind of tough actually too. So, I mean, there's that well, part Vermilk of Well, Vermilk is the best goalie in the world. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, they signed him to a three-year deal for less than $3 million, And I was saying the other day to a friend, I'm like, well, he's got to, he's probably good for at least two Vesnas of those three yeah. years. And God knows, much like Hellebuck a couple seasons ago here in Winnipeg when he won, he's going to get plenty of opportunity to show what a great goalie he is playing behind <laughs> that lineup for the next few seasons. Yeah, I wonder if he has like shot bonuses, save bonuses in there to bump it up a little bit. But yeah, like this is... This is the prime opportunity. It's just that's why it kind of jokingly scares me a little bit here because it's they're, they're just such winnable games. And they're, they're again, no excuse whatsoever for the Jets to not, not only like win, but really take it to the opposition too, right? Like these are games where they should kind of 
use as a springboard to go on a seven, eight game heater, right? Go eight Oh and one in your, in your next nine games. And you don't have to worry about the Dallas stars games in hand or anything like that. But maybe, maybe it's just PTSD about this, but I just, I see Ottawa, Columbus, Arizona. I'm like, Oh man, that, that just screams one, one and one, like not, not the most disastrous outcome, <laughs> but like just a tiny bit below that. So I mean, just at, at the very least, start off on the right foot, and then whatever happens, happens after that. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it does set up really interestingly. I, I would just like to see the Dallas Stars games in hand go away because it's tough to paint a real picture when no, about either six points or, or zero points. No, you're exactly right. And uh, there'll be a lot of uh, people cheering on the Carolina Hurricanes against Dallas tonight while Winnipeg is taking on the Ottawa Senators. Just quick thoughts on the sense. I'll be honest. I thought we'd see more of this team. I didn't think they'd be a playoff team, but I think they'd be didn't be uh, wouldn't be as far out as they have been right now. I always thought that DJ Smith got the most out of his club the last couple seasons when they didn't quite have the talent. But um, it seems like it's not as easy just to turn it around when you add a few new players. And uh, and of course, Zach Sanford gets to play against his old team tonight. Uh, what do you make of this matchup and uh, the visitors coming in? you know, through a young team that's developing, but I think more was expected from Ottawa this season. Yeah, Zach Sanford revenge game. I I, I like Big the headliner time. there. I mean, you get what you pay for in Ottawa, right? I, I, I honestly just do not understand and haven't for a while all the, the hype and excitement about the Ottawa Senators specifically heading into this season. Like, they're just there. I know this was supposed to be year one of their unparalleled run of success, but... They're spending like $58 million to the cap and what a good 10 mil of that is on LTIR or on guys that don't play anymore. Like this is, this is what happens in the NHL. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to compete unless you're spending somewhat close to the cap with actual players that are going to help you night in night out. They're, they're just, they're, there's a lot of young talent there. I mean, there is reason for optimism two, three years down the road, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's still way too, they're of a cupboard for me to think that the Ottawa Senators are going to be really, especially in that division, when you have the top four there, that that might be four of the seven best teams in the NHL. They're just, they're light years away from those four. Never mind the Red Wings who have passed them in, in their rebuild right now. So, I mean, the Sens play up tempo. It's, it's the kind of style that has given the Jets problems in the past. They're not afraid to go run and gun, which, I mean, can play in the Jets' hands, but we do see them get a little loosey-goosey from time to time so i mean just stylistically it's a it's a bit of a, a worry seeing the sins come to town tonight but i mean there, there just really isn't a whole lot there shabbat's banged up too they don't have much of anything on the back end this outside of either a forsberg or mad murray masterpiece it should be a, a game walking away for the Jets with a couple minutes to go. Well, Forsberg's the guy. He'll start tonight. And, of course, Matt Murray's on the IR. And I, I do wonder how they handle him. I mean, he's got two more years in excess of $6 million a season. And he's stunk for Ottawa. I mean, that might be the biggest key as to why they haven't been better. Is they, you know, they haven't got the goaltending they thought they were getting from Matt Murray. And, I mean, Shabbat, I mean, losing him, I mean, he routinely plays 27, 28 minutes a night. I mean, he is as much of a workhorse as there is in the National Hockey League, and he's not there right now. Was hoping to see Shane Pinto. Um, he's on the he's on the IR right now, as well as Drake Batherson. So you mentioned there are a lot of guys out right now. Um, and then, of course, you know, the Bobby Ryan buyouts also on the uh, on the cap as well for the next the next three seasons. But Brandon, getting back to the Jets, um, you know, we've kind of talked about tonight's game. We know the way things are going to look. 
We expect Adam Lowry back tomorrow. And, you know, it was interesting. With Lowry out, Stastny had to move down. So, you know, you've got a different look up front. And Nikolai Ehlers actually moved in his spot to play with Shifley and, um, and Wheeler. And, you know, they actually did play better in the second half of the game. The Svechnikov line, I was talking with Murad after the show yesterday. Svechnikov getting back with Dubois and Connor, a, a line that had some success earlier this season, was one high danger chance for 17 against in the game. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if you could possibly have by the numbers like a worse game than they had. When Lowry's back in the middle and Stastny's available to go, does Ehlers stay up on that top line or do you think they move Stastny back and Ehlers back and then Svechnikov likely probably goes to the fourth line if they're going to stay with the newcomers Sanford and Appleton on the wings back with Adam Lowry in the middle? You mean a 9% uh, expected goals for isn't what you're looking for out of a second line there? Yeah, that, that's a bit of a problem. <laughs> it was a tough night. Yeah, I mean, he has been so good though for most of the season, right? I mean, you're not... You're not gonna down. You're not gonna demote Dubois or Connor just because they were also part of that line too, right? But I mean, we, we kind of know how this goes. I I'll be shocked if it's not Shifley, Wheeler, Stasny once again, and then Ehlers drops down to line two, and then Svechnikov likely drops down to the fourth line. But I mean, you look at the lineup the way it is right now. Adam Lowry as a fourth line center looks pretty damn good to me. Like I I would like to see what a a fully loaded, completely spread out group of twelve forwards looks like for. For 60 minutes because you're not relying on Shifley Wheeler to play 20 plus and you can allocate it where I mean it's very similar to what the Minnesota Wild do and I think it's a big reason why they've been so successful specifically these, these last two seasons is it's basically 18 minutes to 13 minutes time on ice is spread out amongst their 12 forwards and so you can go 100% every single shift because you're not playing 22 23 minutes a night I would just I would love to see that get an extended look here. I, I just can't imagine that ultimately is going to be the case here. But it, it is funny, too, how, you know, there was such an emphasis made by Chevy at the deadline about adding size and physicality to the third line, which is why, you know, Sanford and, in a way, Appleton was acquired there. But, you know, Svechnikov, 6'3", 210, that's, you know, he, he meets the height requirement and size requirement on most roller coasters. It's not some some little tiny <laughs> five five nine you know one hundred and eighty pound kid we're talking about here. It's a it's a fully grown man, and he plays a gritty game too. Like I, I I would like to see him stay inside the top nine, but for whatever reason, you know both both head coaches have been quick to uh, send him down the lineup in the past. So I I do anticipate we see Svechnikov on the fourth line. And then kind of basically the same old, same old, albeit a, a Lowry, Sanford, Appleton third line. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's going to be up to Sanford to stay. I mean, I, I think Appleton is going to be stapled to, to yeah. Lowry, much like Cop was before in, you know, in previous years, before this season when he was all over the lineup. And I think, honestly, it'll be up to Zach Sanford to show that he is making a difference on that line. And if that doesn't take place, then Svechnikov is probably the first guy to come up. Although... Funny enough, Jansen Harkins was all over the place yeah. on, on on against the Chicago Blackhawks. Scored a couple times and has shown that he can be ready. Um, but as long as you know you're throwing out a lineup that includes no offense to Adam Brooks, uh, him and 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 Tony Nato, to be honest, has probably been as consistent as guys in the bottom six. I mean, he and Lowry both sort of really picked up their game post All Star break. Um, but you are right. I mean, in a if you're in a real contending position, maybe you do have that spread out a little bit more in a deeper bottom six. But as far as the top goes, count me in 
as a supporter of Ehlers back with, with Dubois and Connor. I mean, to me, that's the future of this club. They've looked really, really good together at times. And to me, and I know Matthew Jansen just said it in the, uh, send, we can just set it in the chat. I mean, to me, when Nikolai Ehlers is with those guys, that's the number one line on the team. And I think we've seen Dave Lowry acknowledge that with some of the matchups that he's had on home ice when those guys have been, as well as some of the matchups, certainly with other coaches playing against them when Ehlers is with Dubois and Connor. Yeah, you know, I said this last week that if that's, if that's your number one line going into next season, there's no complaints. And on top of it, I would have no issue with Shafley Wheeler being the team's second line. Like, I, I know a lot of people want to see them split up for They for might, but, but yeah, I don't think most people, most observers of the team would have an issue with that. No, no, it's just been the over-reliance on giving them 22 minutes a night. Like, that's that's kind of the main the, the main beef that most people have with, with Shifley and Wheeler right now. So I, I'm 100% on board. And it can it can potentially be... Now, I'm not going to, you know, compare them that it's equal to that, but it could be Winnipeg's version, their their light version of, you know, McKinnon, Rantanen, and whatever else gets thrown up with the boards in Colorado, right? Like, you have the big guy down the middle in Dubois and, and Ehlers and Connor, you know, while they both like to have the puck on their stick, I think they'll be able to play off each other decently well, and, and Connor's blossomed into one of the best goal scorers in the NHL. So when you talk about trying to create a a power line to go up against some of the best in the NHL, that's the best chance for the Winnipeg Jets to do that. So that's, that's, it's kind of the funny thing. Like I've, I've been talking about balance and spreading the wealth out and all that, but if it means Ehlers goes with Dubois, Connor, you could load it up. I, I'm cool with loading it up. Then. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, before we go just off hockey for a minute, we're going to be talking to Steve Sandor about the other big game tonight. Canada, Costa Rica. I know you've been paying attention to this. I, I really do think that Canadian soccer, I mean, we've seen this groundswell of people kind of getting on the bandwagon and finally paying attention to this team, and they're giving us a lot of reasons to do so. Uh, but over the course, whether it's tonight or whether it's on the weekend against Jamaica, it's going to be a historic moment for Canadian soccer. And I think that the amount of time that guys like us spend talking about the national team, as well as the national people that are finally paying attention to it, um, it's a new dawn for the men's team. The women have already been doing it for a long time. And uh, man, this is going to be fun watching these games and uh, officially booking that ticket to Qatar. I know. I'm hope that's why I'm hoping for like six nothing after after 40 minutes for the Jets. So it's like we could kind of push that to the side and focus <laughs> nine o'clock on on Team Canada. I, it's still crazy to me. Like I, it's still hard to believe that it, it, like we're hours away from potentially going back to the World Cup. And I. You know, it's, it's funny because I'm still kind of in the mindset of, hey, just just find a way to get there. But there's so many people getting greedy and like, no, we got to finish atop the group to set us up well for for whatever group we're going to be in in Qatar. It's it's just crazy that we're even talking about that, man. It's it's just I'm so excited. I can't wait. You were know, you I, even born in 86? No, I, I was in 89, late 89. <laughs> yeah. So like so in your is, entire life on Earth. Canada has never been in the World Cup and, uh, and it's going to happen. And it's not just about getting there at this point. Yeah. I mean, people are paying attention to this side and realizing that, you know, listen, I mean, they could come out of and, you know, with some wins and staying on top of that group could absolutely see their world ranking go to a spot where they're not even in the, the, the four spot in the group. And at that point, we've seen Mexico and I'm going to ask Steve about this coming up in the next segment. We've seen Mexico and the United States come out of CONCACAF and routinely get out of yeah. groups and play in elimination matches. So at this point, with the firepower that Canada has with a healthy Alfonso Davies, assuming that's the case come November, 
um, you really do say, why not us? Yeah, it, and it's crazy because on top of that too, Canada, especially in the games against Mexico, they like Mexico used to be just an absolute graveyard for them. And Canada ran them right off the pitch. Like it, it's just, it's all of this is still so mind blowing to me. But yeah, it, it all depends on on which group they do end up in. But the fact that they might not be the worst team in their group is like I've kind of gone at the start of this uh, as it slowly built and built was okay, maybe just qualify. Then it went to hey, maybe we can score a goal in the group. Then it's like hey, maybe we could win a game actually. And now it's like yeah, you know, if we get the right draw, maybe we're playing in the knockout stages. So nobody wants to play Canada. They've done the last three without their best player. Yeah. Like one of the best at his position, arguably the best player on the planet, right? So it's just like it's just crazy. It'd be one thing if Alfonso Davies was carrying this team on his back, but you know they've been they they've been kind of flipping the script as of late. I I hope it's tonight. Can't wait to get the jersey. Can't wait to. Well, I don't even know if it would be Corden because Italy's going to take over most of Corden. I don't, this is all new to me. We're going to find out where we all head out to to watch yeah, Team Canada. Yeah, the World yeah Cup. exactly. You know, all the other countries have their spot. What about actual yeah. Canadians? Like, what do they do? <laughs> well, we've got a few months to figure that out. I'll look forward to the game tonight. Phil P. Pulin, when's that next Gates and Plates out for folks? Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. So we'll break down the game. Maybe we'll break down the Canada game as well. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so that'll come out tomorrow morning. Uh, I wanted to ask you too before we wrap up here, but you know, I, I poured one out for the cheetah yesterday. How 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 you doing after the deal, man? Well, if you want to know? Go to yesterday's uh, go to yesterday's episode, and while I'm on with Mike Zeisberger, presumably just talking about the NHL, he immediately brought that up like 15 <laughs> minutes after I found out about the official oh. trade, and my face will tell you all about it. I, I I'm still stunned. I mean, I. There was nothing to this. We'd heard reports. Oh, yeah, they're working on extension. They're reworking. He's going to get a new deal, going to help them do other things. And then it went from, oh, maybe that's not happening to him being on the Miami Dolphins in like three hours. Yeah, it felt around, like 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I, I've come around with it a little bit because I do have a lot of faith in Brett Veach and the scouting staff of the Chiefs. Um, and listen, you've always got a chance when you got 15 behind center. But man, I mean, that guy was such a difference maker on that team that, I mean, it will look very different. And um, there's a ton of pressure to make. I mean, I think they've got consecutive picks towards the end of the first round. Um, they've got a couple second rounders as well. And listen, I mean, they did a great job last year at the draft, but they're going to need to do it again. And uh, there's only one cheetah. So I, I'll be fascinated to see how much more Michael Hardman works in, in, with, the, in with the offense and maybe a... Tyreek Hill style role because he certainly has the Jets, but nobody has the agility, the zero to 60 that Tyreek Hill does. And now we're going to see if Tua Tagliavoa is a real NFL quarterback because he's got Waddle, he's got Hill, he's got the weapons, and uh, it's all on Tua in Miami this season to make something happen. Yeah, that, that's a slight downgraded arm strength. Patty Mahomes to Tua. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm not just saying this because you're in front of me, but I really like it for Kansas City. Like and you just you wouldn't expect it, but if you look back, trading a number one receiver for a big package, ninety nine percent of the time works out for the team that moves the receiver. I mean, how many people laughed at the Giants when they traded Odell Beckham to Cleveland? And ultimately, now they kind of blew their picks, but that's that's a separate issue for the Giants. Yeah. But but you know, Odell really struggled and was not much of an impact for Cleveland his entire time there. You know. It's it's tough to pay non quarterbacks that much money, so I, I think I think Kansas City's going to come out just fine in this one. And um, I wouldn't be shocked too for any fantasy guys out there if we see a 
a Juju uh, revival story this upcoming season. I saw somebody different KC offense, but I think he's he's a nice pickup. I saw somebody sent me a message the other day going, well, I'm feeling a lot better about my keepers of Amari Cooper and Juju Smith-Schuster today than I was a month ago. Now that, you know, Cooper's going to be the number one guy in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson throwing the football, presumably once he gets done, I would imagine probably a six-game suspension to start the year. And uh, Juju's in a pretty good spot, even more so now with Tyreek Hill gone. Brandon, great stuff as always. Uh, We'll look forward to tomorrow's skates and plates and uh, catch up next week on the program. Beauty and uh, thanks for the hoodie. I appreciate it. Looking good. The largest, I think your your sizing might be off. This large is like skin tight, so maybe just get that. It's well, definitely not me. So just get that checked out, please. I was I was shocked that you decided on a large as opposed to an XL, <laughs> but I know you're working hard trying to you know get the get the summer bod ready. So uh, you look at yes, that is the zip up hoodie, folks. If you'd like to get one, WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Click on store. Brandon, you have a great one, pal. Beauty, you too. We'll talk soon. <laughs> there he is, our buddy Brandon Rewicki. Check out the Skates and Plates podcast uh, wherever you get Winnipeg Sports Talk. Next episode coming up tomorrow morning. Hey, big cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug who are getting ready for spring. Uh, cannot wait to get on the patio at Little Brown Jug this spring and summer and enjoy some of those delicious 1919s. If you are down in the exchange area, make a point of popping into Little Brown Jug. You can grab all your beers there, taste a flight, grab a couple pints, and you can also grab 1919 at fine bars and restaurants around the city. And of course, all Little Brown Jug beers available at your local Manitoba liquor marts, local beer stores, or online with delivery on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at littlebrownjug.ca. Princess Auto Curling Report time. Good news for Carrie and the Canadian ladies at the World Championships. Big win, crushing the United States this morning. They needed that one. 9-3 was the final. And after the walkover yesterday against the Scots, Canada now finds themselves tied for second behind the perfect Swiss team at 9-0. Canada 7-2, the Swedes 7-2, the Koreans 6-2, Korea this afternoon plays the Swiss undefeated huge game. And then Canada, Korea tonight, 9 p.m. So uh, we got Canada in the world championships curling at nine. We got Canada, Costa Rica at nine. Mia, lots of options once we finish watching the Jets and Sens tonight on the tube. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of curling and your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations in-store. Or you can shop online and get the wheels turning on your next project 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And of course, lots of action downtown before, after every Jets game, Boston Pizza City plays a great spot to get into. And if you're not going to the game, no better spot to get together with your gang and watch the Jets on the big screen with big sound than Boston Pizza. And if you're staying home, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, Remo and I have got some stuff to talk about at the end of the program. We do have to get to the cool bet lines for a very busy night in the National Hockey League. But with Canada playing Costa Rica tonight, we could not talk about our Canadian men's national team. And let's do that right now with a return visit from our pal, Steve Sandor. Double S, what's up? How are you, man? Oh, doing great, doing great. Uh, it's going to be an exciting week for the for the national team. And we'll see, you know, if it's tonight or if it's Sunday. Um, if, this, if this happens tonight or if it's, 
it's, it's not really a matter of if, it's just a matter of when and where the party will be when Canada qualifies now, needing only one point, basically. You know, um, you've covered this team for a long, long time. Um, if I told you a year ago or two years ago that at the end of qualifying, going into the final three matches, that Canada would be have not lost a game, be at the top of the table, and be basically, as you just mentioned, a point away from clinching with three games to go, would you have said that was an absolute pipe dream, or was that the uh, was that the tra- the, the tra- trajectory you thought this team was on? Yeah, qualifying for the World Cup, I would have said, is not a pipe dream. Winning the group um, would, I would have said, wait a second, right? Like I would have been um, like, what's what's going on here? Did we just leave our games with Mexico and the United States till the very end and haven't played them yet? Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think for sure I would have said, yeah, we'll be in the mix. And Canada will be in the mix for 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 uh, qualifying. The, the team has that talent and has that ability. But for the way that they've gone, and if you would have said, oh, by the way, they're going to be the highest scoring team in CONCACAF, one of the highest scoring teams in all of World Cup qualifying, then I would have been like, wait a second. Wait, like, like there would have been some, because, you know, traditionally Canada – hasn't been that even when they've had some modicum of international success it's been a hope for a, a goal on a set piece and then just defend like like demons but now this is so different when you know it's not just that they're having success it's the way that they're winning it's seeing teams set up to play canada the way that canada used to set up to play other teams like when i mean we're playing canada's playing costa rica tonight but costa rica the game in edmonton you know, or we clearly watched Costa Rica set up to try to play for a tie, that they were just defending my demons and not really trying to go forward and just hanging on and thinking, this is against Canada. No one ever used to play Canada like this. No one ever used to be afraid of Canada. And now people are afraid of Canada. And I think that's like getting, it's a long-winded answer to your question, but I think all of those elements are kind of like things I wouldn't have seen. I definitely would have said, yeah, World Cup qualification possibility, all the other things I would have been saying. What what dream world are you talking about? No doubt about it. Now, as far as this game goes tonight, um, I guess there's four different ways that Canada can actually clinch this evening. But um, first and foremost, beat Costa Rica and Canada's going to the World Cup. Yes, beat, beat Costa Rica, win, win in their end. So win and they, they clinch. And, and I know that there's fans who want them to still do run the table or do very, very well in this window, home to Jamaica and then go to Panama because it might affect the seeding going to the World Cup. And again, we're talking about things I never imagined we would have been talking about. We're not just talking about kind of qualifying for the World Cup, but can they get out of the bottom seeds and actually get a better seed so that they're not sort of going to be the bottom team in their World Cup group? Uh, these are all things that that are just just heady. Now, how realistic is that? And I mean, speaking of that, I mean that is something we spoke about before because there were a lot of questions as to like, does it matter if you're first or is it just getting in one to three? But for Canada, considering where they are in the world ranking, every one of these wins, I'm sure, helps them boost up that ranking and potentially avoid being, as you mentioned, sort of the the small fish in a World Cup group. The the only thing I would advise is that there are probably some very good teams that are going to drop from the three pot to the four pot as well. It's no different. There's misseeding all in all sports, and you might see a couple of the European sides that just sneak in, be in pots three and four, and you're gonna you're gonna say to yourself, there's some teams that are they're kind of 
not where they should be. I don't get super excited about C. I just think it's great that we're having this conversation simply to show how far the program has come along. But obviously winning there in, I, I think that this would be great to do it tonight. But I think knowing Sunday, Jamaica's almost all of their top players refused the call up and said they're not playing because they're out of it. Like Jamaica is basically playing. I don't even know who's going to be there Sunday when they play in Toronto in very cold temperatures, supposed to be unseasonably cold in Toronto on Sunday. So if Canada can't get the points required out of that, there's something pretty wrong. But England has five or six players who are based in England. All of them said, or Jamaica said, all those players said no. So Jamaica is, is almost with all any of the players of re- name recognition on that squad for Sunday. Um, that being said, you want to prove a point. Proving the point with Canada has proven throughout this qualifying that they can perform in Central America, uh, where it's notoriously difficult to play. Costa Rica, Panama still left to go. They've had some very, very good results. Uh, to do that sends, again, a message to the world. But at the same time, this is a process. I think it's, 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 it's very strange for me because I kind of look at this game with almost no stress. This game tonight feels like a house money kind of game. That, that, you know, you're way ahead and uh, you're going to be way ahead at the end of the night. So, you know, in, in some ways, if you really want to be evil about it, depending on how you view the rivalry, we could be really hurt the United States' chances by losing to Costa Rica tonight. I mean, well, if you were the conspiracy theorist, which I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't believe, and John Herdman and Greg Berhalter, the American head coach, are good friends. And I don't believe that Canada would ever do anything like that. But for that fan that kind of wants to see chaos um, and and the Americans not qualify again or actually have a harder road, it's actually better for, better for the others because Costa Rica and Panama are kind of vying for the, with the Americans to try to push them. It would be better for them to to get the results. So, um, but at the same time, I'm not there either. I'm I'm kind of think that Canada needs to worry about its own backyard. We um, listen. I mean, our focus has been entirely on Canada, and they've been at the top of the table, and that's what we've been looking at. But I guess right now, I mean, going into these final three matches, we can sort of look at the rest of the group. I mean, now uh, for people that have just solely been focusing on Canada, know that they're at the top. I mean. What are the scenarios for the other teams? We always assume Mexico and the United States are going to be there. That wasn't the case last World Cup. Um, how is it shaking out right now? And how desperate of a situation is it for Costa Rica in this game tonight at home against the Canadians? Well, Costa Rica, they're in fifth. And, and the fourth place team in the group, so the top three automatically go to the World Cup. Like the top three, which will likely be Canada, Mexico, and the United States, uh, barring some strange results. Uh, but Mexico is hosting the United States in this in this window, so that's that's a big part of that too. So there's going to be points dropped there. Uh, Panama's in fourth, Costa Rica's in fifth, but Costa Rica's red hot right now. They they went through the last window undefeated, and I think that they've been undefeated in four, and and I believe haven't given up a goal in three. And John Herdman said that Costa Rica will be a very very different team than they were that faced Edmonton in November. Um, they took two weeks off. This is how important it is to them. Their league, they suspended it for two weeks so that all their players could be in a camp and gather and get ready and just simply prepare for Canada. Uh, again, the kind of stuff that we would never have imagined happening for Canada like um, uh, a, a couple of years ago where like, yeah, we're going to suspend our national league to prep for to play Canada. Um, that is, again, heady, heady stuff. 
Uh, of course, the big, big change for Costa Rica is Keeler Navas will be back in goal. He missed with injury in November. And if we remember, it was a goalkeeping error that led to Canada's winning goal um, in that game in Edmonton. So um, that's, that's a big change as well. Costa Rica is very defensively oriented team. They're going to be tough to break down. That being said, they need to, to basically run the table in this, in this, in this last three games to climb up. And I said, the top three teams, they qualify. The fourth place team goes into a playoff, a wild card playoff against the ocean, someone from Oceania whoever comes out of there to, you know, get to the, get to the world cup. So there's a good chance of the fourth place team, um, but that you have to get to fourth place. And, you know, so there's, there's really two teams in that mix right now, Panama and Costa Rica. Everyone else is pretty well done. United States, Mexico and Canada are the top three, but there is a danger if, for the United States, if they would have like a horrible window where they could drop down and Costa Rica and Panama could, surpass them in some way or it could put the u.s in the playoff game um but again i think that, that the americans will get will get enough points and get the help the americans are a funny team they travel very poorly when they go on the road they tend to not get results we saw canada beat them pretty comprehensively despite what the american media say um in hamilton um but when the americans go on the road they struggle even against the smallest the smallest sides um the mexicans at home they're good but they're not what they used to be there is there's something with this team they're not as dynamic as they used to be um and again maybe it's more just simple how much better canada's got so that it doesn't feel that intimidating when we see mexico the united states that maybe we're seeing flaws that were always there but could never exploit because canada was never good enough and now it's like wow they're they're really not that that tough after all but the the, the there are some flaws there but it's it's a race there's four teams that are going to end up with three spots. I, Canada, we can check it off. It's just a matter of when the party's going to happen. Um, it would take a collapse in the kind of that would be talked about in Canadian sports forever for Canada to lose all three games and the other results to go all against them and for them to somehow flub out of not being one of the top three. Well, and, and that is probably a good thing because, of course, uh, don't believe Alfonso Davies is going to be with the group for this. So let's talk just quickly about how the team will look when um, they take the pitch tonight. Um, we're going to see uh, Kyle Laren and Jonathan David both start, I imagine. And that's not a normal formation for Canada, although they did do it once earlier in this uh, World Cup mm -hmm. qualifying. Yeah, it, not necessarily. You know, and, and yeah, a lot of times John Herbman's picked one over the other, depending if he wants the speed of David or the sort of the size and presence of Kyle Laren. And really, every time John Herdman's rolled the dice on this, he's come up right, right? Like Kyle Aaron scores two goals against Mexico, right? Uh, and 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 Jonathan David scored against Costa Rica, and, and Jonathan David scores has scored some some wonderful goals in this tournament. When it comes to his speed, it, it's it's amazing how John Herdman has kind of sensed which player will do better in which situation. Again, Alfonso Davies missed the last window. Didn't hurt Canada at all. Right, they, they, they want them all. Got, they want them all. They, so again, it speaks to the depth. You know this again, and again, going back to your point, I think keep going back to the point of what I would have said two years ago. You know, I would have said like Alfonso Davies are doing this while he's hurt, while he's you know coming back from this long term myocarditis situation with COVID, and yeah, they're still doing it, but they're so deep now. There are so many players who have really put their stamp on this, and. You know, we can talk about some of the players who have been given roles by John Herdman, players who have really emerged as guys who should be playing at bigger clubs in Europe. Um, 
And, you know, we can talk about how well Steven Eustachio has played in the middle of midfield. He's just made the transfer to Porto. He's not playing a ton there yet. Um, you can talk about, I think, Sam Hadakubi as a player. I think I mentioned him before. I don't think any player has come along as much from the start of qualifying to where we are now as Sam Hadakubi has at fullback position. He has been absolutely incredible. And, of course, his goal celebrations are the best in the <laughs> region. You know, the jumping in the snowbank and then the the, the yoga the yoga pose in <laughs> Hamilton after his goal. Um, God, just, and, and, you know, honestly, when you, once, once you talk to him, um, um, he just has this infectious personality. Just such a, a great sort of motivating, you know, glue player. You get that sense for them. Um, I, I really cannot rave enough about how much he's come along as a player. Um, but again, these are other guys who are slotting in and doing the job. And I'm not... Right now, I don't, you're, you're more concerned about just making sure Alfonso Davies is at 100% for November for the World Cup. It's not really a worry now. This is like, you know, this is, this is like knowing that you're, it's almost like you're getting a, a bonus by him getting some rest. Maybe I know, I know Alfonso would scream and say, that's not right. I well, there's other playing. players that can take advantage of the opportunities that, uh, you know, that are uh, made by his absence in the lineup and that can only help the yeah, team. And, and they're going to get that experience and you're going to need that. You're going to need that depth. Um, but again, this is also about you know, this window qualifying is part of it. Again, you're seeing what you got going into Qatar because I think the discussion will very quickly and it's already quick I think changing but once this that points are secured it's no longer about hey we'll celebrate for a second but the discussions are going to be exciting because it's going to be like could could this team get to the final 16 could could they get to a knockout game because I think they can I think they're good enough to do it I, and, and you know we could talk about draws and whatever and have you but I think they're good enough that we could get to an elimination game where things get really interesting because you know I, I see this. So Mexico, United States do it regularly when they get to the World Cup. And they're the best in Concacaf, so why wouldn't Canada be the best in Concacaf? Be one of those teams. That's the question right now. Why not us at this point? Uh, final one for you. I mean, uh, whether this happens tonight or against the Jamaicans on Sunday, Canada is clinching their spot in the World Cup. We're in March. The event happens in November. Uh, once the clinching happens, what is next for the Canadian national team? I know you guys will be playing for their regular clubs, but um, you know we haven't talked about World Cup prep for a long time. I mean, uh, what do we know about what happens with this club well, over the coming months before the big event? Well, they'll, they'll have the draw, and I'm sure they're going to have an extended camp um, in the fall. Um, the leagues are going to pause uh, in a very odd time for them to pause because of the timing of this World Cup. Um, and they will get together, and and and, and even through through these the international windows, they're going to ramp up the competition. You're going to see that, and that's the the benefit of being a World Cup qualified team. The friendlies that you're going to play are, are going to be of better quality than we're used to seeing. <laughs> we're not going to be playing uh, the Uzbekistan's or Azerbaijan's and of of the world. There will be better competition, and it will be a chance to ramp these things up. And you know, at the same time. You know, it's, it's interesting. The world—it's—it's it's no different in soccer than it is in any other sport. Like the, 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 the preparations—you learn a lot about teams, and at the same time, they're desperately trying to hold something in secret, like a look, a formation, or something that they're going to do—a wrinkle that they're not—they don't want the world to know about, right? Like, like it's going to be like maybe game one of the world where you're going to see this thing that we're going to do, or this formation that we work out. That they do some of the things loosely. 
but it's not always like it's it, the preparation is such an interesting mix of getting these guys ready to play the top level competition and then hiding everything that you're trying to do tactically because you don't want the world to see it right like yeah you know the soccer world they, they marvel at the access we have in north america at like sports like they let you in to look at the lion rushes like why would they do that <laughs> right like you know in hockey it's like why would they let the football team let you see a walkthrough, right? Like, why Why are you just not forced to wait in a waiting room? Because that's what we do in soccer. It's a lot more cloak and dagger in the, so in the world of international what football. what makes it interesting, right? And so, you know, they let you see some things, but they don't let you see all things. And and, and so that's the, the, the interesting part of the preparation for these things. But, I mean, the draw is supposed to happen April 1st. I mean, it's still scheduled. Obviously, there's going to be issues with, with European qualification and Ukraine. Um, you know, some of those games are obviously delayed for very important reasons that are far more important than soccer. Um, and, and, and how their qualification process goes. But I know hey, are the, speaking of that, are the Russians banned from the world cup? I mean, what's, yes, what's the they situation? Are. They with lost, that? they lost their hearing. They, they took that to the international court for sport that Russia was supposed to be in the playoffs. Um, and they were tossed out. Uh, obviously, safety is a safety issue there um you know you can't really um go i mean ukraine there's a safety issue too but there's sympathy sympathy there to which they're going to make allowances maybe a neutral site try to get the ukrainian national team to play somewhere to give them a chance to qualify and and everyone's kind of bending over backwards to figuring out how that ukraine can still have their fair shot to play at the world cup um but the russians were were as part of the whole you know world's kind of move to censure russia um, and uh, they, they appealed that to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, which reigns root supreme over these things, and they upheld the decision to to boot them out. So Russia won't, won't, won't be at the World Cup. I mean, in a very snarky way, they, now Russia has just announced their bid to host the Euro 2028, almost in a defiance, like sort of like... <laughs> Like, like we are, we, we want to just kind of force you to tell us off. Um, but yeah, so they, they, they'll be done. Uh, and obviously there was a bunch of countries that said that if you force us to play Russia, we would rather not go to the World Cup. Yeah. So like Pol- Poland and then Czech Republic, the, the Czechs had already said, ain't happening. We ain't playing the Russians, you know, whereas everyone else said, hey, if, if we have to make accommodations because we have to play Ukraine, whatever, whatever they need, whatever those players need. And we'll, you know, that that's that's the difference obviously a huge difference in the way the two teams uh are viewed yep. and there are allowances scotland is supposed to play ukraine in a qualifier and and i think the scottish fa has has done everything in in its power as as has uefa and fifa to try to make sure that that those games happen in a fair manner and that that yeah that ukraine does get a shot it's, it gets its fair shot well, that's uh, that is great to hear. Well, all eyes on Costa Rica tonight. Canada and Costa Rica. It's clinching time for Canada's men's national team, and I'm looking forward to more chats with you very soon about uh, the upcoming World Cup in Qatar that will include Team Canada. Stephen, thanks as always for the time. Let's do this again soon. Yes, the next talk is about the Canada make the Sweet Sixteen. Exactly. Well, it'll be draw time. We'll get you on. Thanks, man. Have yeah. a great one. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, great stuff with my guy Double S out in Edmonton, Stephen Sandor. Uh, you know, I uh, used to run a great, great soccer site called The11.ca. Uh, actually went to a Canada Trinidad World Cup, or I guess it was maybe an international friendly, I believe, back in Edmonton, long time ago with Double S. 
anyways, great to have him on the program today. Hey, uh, our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ have a lot going on right now. Special going on in all four stores until Sunday. Buy one Blizzard, get one for a buck ninety nine. Of course, Nick and Nikki have four locations: the DQ in Neverville, DQ Northgate. DQ Polo Park and DQ St. Anne's. And for the three Winnipeg locations, all delivery platforms are now available. DoorDash, Skip the Dishes, and Uber Eats for all three, with the exception of Niverville. And of course, get and check out those new stack burgers they've got. My God, are they good? Uh, DQ Cakes, and you can order or hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. If you uh, want to get a custom order and have it ready for you to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And uh, tomorrow, Friday, you know what that means. It's game day. It's the return of Patrick Line. Lots of excitement for that game and a lot of excitement for another marble race here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We will be giving out another co-branded Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodie to our winner. And uh, you know what? I think we'll also do a DQ cake for the final marble across. So make sure you join us around this time tomorrow on the program and uh, in the meantime you can get great deals on canadian club all month long at ubanitoba liquor marts and we are just uh, days away from the official launch of the ready to drink canada uh, club, canadian club ginger ale ready to drink mixed cocktail available at manitoba liquor marts and beer stores very soon Next month, when you buy CC at a liquor mart, you'll also get a free can of the CC and ginger to try. Um, we should get to the cool bet lines in a minute, but let's get Michael Remus back in here. Remo, you know, today is shaping up to be an absolutely incredible sports day. We've already had a big win for Canada and Kerry Anderson in the curling. Um, I'm all over the World Golf Championships match play, one of my favorite events. Very fun to bet on as well. Shout out to Canadian Corey Connors who took down Louis Oosthuizen today, 2-1. and one. Corey will take on Alex Noren tomorrow uh, to advance to the final 16. Great opportunity for the young Canadian. I'm actually just looking up. How's everyone? Oh, Mac Hughes is losing right now to Max Homa. He needs to come back. Uh, Homa, 2 up through 8. And then, Remo, tonight we got Jets at 7. We've got Canada Soccer at 9. We've got March Madness as well, and uh, another big win, another big game for the Canadian women in the World Championships. Uh, this is a multiple TV night, I think. Yes, multiple TV night. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the tablet with the TV app of my provider. Uh, I think that has been working really well for me, too. So Explain yes. that. I, I'm, I'm not technologically so are you, savvy as you. So what do you have, Shaw or Bell? I'm yeah, assuming. one of you them. Have, you have one of the two. I mean, there's there's two. You have TV. You yeah. have one of them. So each of them have an app, and you can get the app for your tablet or phone, and you can log in, and you can stream TV. So it's actually uh, excellent. And if you have a Bell, actually has a really good app on um, Fire Stick. You can just get it, and then you have a new set-top box, and you can just stream the channel. Uh, I think actually a lot of the American ones you can't, but I mean, for all the... I mean, the only reason why anyone has cable now is for sports. So you can stream all the TSN and Sportsnet channels. That's what I do. Um, I get another TV with, with the uh, Fire Stick and, and the Bell app. So uh, I'm, yes, multiple TV night, March Madness, all the hockey. I'm getting my DraftKings lineup in tonight. A lot of games. And as you said, the Canada soccer. And I'm looking at the, I'm curious what the rating is going to be. Because every time we talk soccer in here, someone comes in. No one, no one cares about soccer. 
soccer sucks. Soccer's boring. Yeah, we uh, need to boot those. Yeah. Dummies. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm just looking at the viewership. I mean, the Canada, what was it? The Canada versus Mexico, 1.15 million viewers uh, on Sportsnet. Uh, so uh, I'm curious what the, it's at a decent time. What is it? Eight o'clock our time? No, nine o'clock our time, actually, oh, which is uh, 10 o'clock out east, which yes. is a little late. But I, I but I'm with you. There's going to be so many people watching this game. The numbers just continue to grow. And um, yeah, for all those terrible soccer takes, um, those are going to be few and far in between. I think going forward, we're at a totally new time in Canadian soccer. Mm-hmm. And um, I tell you what, it is going to take over this country as we get closer to November. And it's going to be weird. That's going to be a time when football's going on. It's hockey season. I'm telling you right now, the World Cup and Canada in it is going to be the number one story in Canada. So uh, get on the wagon right now. If uh, it's not too late, big game tonight. We could clinch officially the spot in the World Cup. Hey, listen, before we uh, get to the cool bet lines, Remo, Blue Jays, Spring training going on right now, but they made a big deal today, and Randall Gritchick is on his way to Colorado. Fill us in on the trade. Big trade. Uh, they're trading outfielder Randall Gritchick for Rymel Tapia. Uh, Tapia, left-handed bat, plays left field. Not exactly a lot of power with this guy, but I think, it cl- first of all, clear salary. Uh, Gritchick make- making about $9 million. Uh, Tapia closer to 4 I think that is big. Um, He's also left-handed. The Blue Jays don't have any left-handed bats in the outfield as well. I mean, Gritchuk, they signed him to this five-year, $52 million contract in 2019. I thought this contract was untradeable, but, um, you know, Rockies, they needed a power outfield bat. And, you know, while he can hit for power, he does strike out a lot and his on-base percentage, not great. And additionally, you know, since they signed George Springer, they, George Springer, they didn't really need Randall Gritchuk. They have Springer. And uh, Lourdes Gugliel had a breakout season recently and Teoscar Hernandez. So Richard really didn't fit in. Uh, they get a bench bat, save some money. I really like this trade for Toronto. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines. Very busy, busy night in the National Hockey League. We started off with, uh, oh man, this is a good one. This could be a playoff matchup, playoff preview. Lightning and Bruins, almost a pick. Of Lightning, a very slight minus 111 favorite at the Garden in Beantown. Uh, the game that... We need the home team to win. Dallas at Carolina. Carolina is a minus 227 favorite. Hopefully that favorite comes through. Panthers, huge favorite on the road in Montreal, minus 294. Islanders, big home fave against the Wings, minus 213. Wild, minus 204 at home against the Vancouver Canucks. Big win for the Canucks last night. Be interesting to see if they can make it two in a row. I'll be backing the Wild on that one. And uh, Blues minus 244 against the pathetic Philadelphia Flyers. And the Jets at home to Ottawa minus 217. Uh, Oilers, big favorites at home against the Sharks minus 233. Kings minus 204 against the Blackhawks. And a straight up pick them, Nashville at the Vegas Golden yeah. Knights. And how about Roman Yossi Reem? Yeah, I mean, he's having an incredible, I think he's got more assists than Connor McDavid right now. Um, I want to put my DraftKings lineup. He's the most expensive player out there. He's got like, he's having, he's close, might have to be on pace for a hundred point season. Um, I have Roman Yossi in one of my fantasy leagues. Like I did not think, did not expect this from him. And you were mentioning to me uh, during the break there that we had, what, Kale McCarr was the favorite for the Norris 
for some Big time. Big favorite, minus 333, like as recent as like a week ago or 10 days ago. But now, Roman, let me pull up the uh, defense here, leaders real quick. Yeah, we got Roman Yossi, 78 points in 62 games. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible what this guy is doing. So, uh, big Yossi guy. I thought he was kind of on the downside of his career. We had heard Roman Yossi was like no. the Kyle Connor before Kyle Connor. Everyone would, was calling Roman Yossi underrated until he wasn't. And sometimes you still kind of hear that about Connor, even though he's top five well, in the league in scoring. It, but Yossi, I mean, he was overlooked coming in this year. Everyone thought he was over 30 and, you know, his best days were behind him. It's funny you say that. I, it takes me back to a conversation with Stu Grimson in Nashville. We were on the road with him, um, Gary, myself. This is a few years back. And this is when Nashville's defense was just so stacked. Shea Weber, Roman Yossi, Ekholm, Ellis. And, you know, Weber was the guy. Everyone was talking about Weber. And Grimson sort of said, listen, he's not even the best defenseman on the team right now. It's Roman Yossi. You got to pay attention to this Swiss guy. And then, lo and behold, the next year they trade him. Um, you know, they they make the trade to Montreal. And, um, you know, Roman Yossi's taken over. And I mean, this is a, a career season for him right now. And the fact of the matter is, Nashville is nowhere close to where they are without Yossi right now. I really do think he's going to win the Norris right now, considering where he's at. Hey, just quickly before we finish yeah. up the uh, the, the cool bet yeah. lines, let's just click on this uh, Ottawa-Winnipeg sure. game. Just one more thing about Yossi. Has. His March stats, I just want to throw those out there. 25 points in 11 games in March. <laughs> like that is some that is some heater oh d kingsey points out absolute man rocket too oh yeah no he's hot he's so hot <laughs> I, all right i'll have to go through his uh profiles in hockey db they got all his uh, follow him on in insta there. follow him on insta um okay as far as goal scoring tonight kyle connor minus 103 to score tonight he pretty much you know scores every second game um so why not put a little sprinkle on kyle connor Ehlers is at plus 147, Shifley plus 154, Doobie, uh, PLD plus 160, uh, Wheeler 220, Paul Stasty plus 215. What about the new guys? What about, okay, Appleton. What, uh, do we have a number for, well, someone tell Cool that Thomas Shabbat's not playing. He's plus, he's plus 590. Send Chris Abbott. Let's just, let, let's put the entire, let's put the entire, <laughs> House on will not score. Well, I don't think I don't think it counts if he doesn't hit the ice. But uh, no, it doesn't right. have Sanford. They do have Appleton plus two. That's I was hoping for a Sanford number on a uh, revenge game. Revenge game, exactly coming back. So, uh, anyways, no. Uh, Paul Stasty will be centering Sanford and Appleton again tonight. Jets do expect um, Adam Lowry back tomorrow. We'll see mm. what that does to uh, to the lines when Lowry returns to the lineup. Of course, uh, everything they got the curling, got the golf. Uh, the Dell match play spring training right now. It's all there at cool bet. Use the promo code WST. If you haven't played before, give you a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $200. Um, great show today. I'm really excited for tonight, both the hockey game, the soccer, and uh, man, we're going to have a lot to talk about tomorrow. Remo, when we uh, get everything going. And of course, Weebs world joining us coming up a little bit later on. Yeah, we got a um, note in chat, uh, I believe from Lynn, says tomorrow is Ken's real birthday. I don't, and I know there's the jokes every single day, <laughs> today's Kenny's birthday, but. Um, is is that she true? Says, she says tomorrow is his birthday, so. 
We'll have to make sure that we drop the water bottle. I'll have the water bottle emoji ready for tomorrow. Oh, there it is. Definitely. May yeah. I mean, we have to get a, a DQ ice cream cake for uh, for Kenny for tomorrow's game. That would be uh, that would be something. It'll be yeah, great. Well, yeah. Well, what better gift than uh, get, we got to drop off his uh, WST hoodie <laughs> that Brandon was wearing. It'll be perfect. Uh, Comet odds for Derek Forbort winning the Norris. Uh, not high, Comet. I would recommend staying away from those Derek Forbort Norris futures uh, at this time and at any point in uh, in the future. Hey, if you popped on late, uh, just a quick plug: we are nominated for top radio station slash podcast in the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. If you have the opportunity to just simply go online wnla.ca. And uh, just click on vote now. There's a bunch of other uh, bunch of other um, categories and vote for the people you like. Uh, but pop down and get a vote for your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk in the radio station podcast. Normally we wouldn't get on these things, but man, what a what a great opportunity it would be to win the best radio station. And Remus's infamous quote of radio is dead would be officially true if we can win that award. So WNLA.ca, toss a vote our way, tell a friend. Thank you very much for that. And uh, Remo, man, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Lots to get to heading into a busy weekend, both for the Winnipeg Jets and the world of sports. It should be a good one, but uh, this was a lot of fun today. And uh, we'll get ready to finish it off tomorrow with a packed show. And of course, marbles right around this time. Yeah, before I want to break this Chiefs news to you, Adam Schefter, 10 minutes ago, people writing this in chat. Um, the Chiefs are signing former Packers receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling, three-year, $30 million deal worth up to 36 with the Chiefs. MVS is getting $10 million a year for the Chiefs? Yeah, that seems <laughs> like kind of kind of cheap, $10 mil, no? Well, I mean, it, you know how many times I put him in as a <laughs> low-dollar baller on my DraftKings lineup, and he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. He disappointed. Like Aaron Rodgers only threw to Devontae Adams, basically. I mean, and then every now and then, each Packer receiver would have like one game a year where they'd get a bunch of balls. So, um, well, that's interesting. I mean, listen, he's no Tyreek Hill. I'm not expecting him to come in and be Cheetah 2.0 or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think the Chiefs will yeah. probably be looking at the wide receiver market. I know Mina Kimes was suggesting maybe they get Odell Beckham. That'd be interesting uh, for an ad. I want no part of Antonio Brown. Please do not even suggest that in the chat. That would kill the team, I think. Be interesting to see whether he ever gets another shot. So talented, but such a pain in the ass. Um, so anyways, yeah, well, that's some interesting breaking news. MVS going to the Chiefs. Three years, 30 million bucks. And, uh, well, they got some cap space now after yesterday. Yeah. And confirmed it is Ken's birthday tomorrow. Wow. Um, shout out to Bad Mood Blake, who points in chat. That Ken is on Hockey DB and it has his birthday on there. So yes, we can bring okay. up Ken's. We can bring up Ken's stats real quick. The Ken Ken Weeb birthday party tomorrow. Yeah. He's coming happening. on the show. He will be here tomorrow. And speaking of Ken, um, there, there are the guys is. are the guys doing a show right now? Oh, are they? I never know whether they are or not. Yeah, but, we um, never we never know. Oh, no, they are. They are. Megan Mickelson and Jason Bacala are coming on. So uh, the boys are there. Pop in if you're uh, with us on YouTube and uh, you want to continue talking sports uh, Winnipeg style. Kenny and Rennie are on with their Thursday afternoon show. So uh, why don't you pop on over, give them best wishes from the WST crew, 
And uh, we'll have a little birthday party for Weaver tomorrow when he joins us on the program. That's going to do it for us. we got to get the pods up. Head on over to Kenny and Randy. Tell them Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. If you can, hit up WNLA.ca and give a vote for Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'd appreciate that. And uh, big thanks to Matt Larkin, Brandon Rowicki, and Stephen Sandor. Great sports night coming up, folks. Govern yourselves accordingly. We will see you tomorrow to kick off the weekend, drop some marbles, and talk more Jets and Winnipeg sports right here on WST. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.